On this episode, we discuss Justice League. And the mystery of the three squares. Part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. No, no. everyone and welcome to the flop house i'm dan mccoy and what's new with dan well okay <laughs> you've derailed things <laughs> two seconds into the podcast if that well we can't start it raises a good question though what what's, is new with dan yeah dan, dan give us one new thing or else we won't let you cross the mystic bridge to the episode <laughs> Uh, I have this a is mild... the gift you must give the the riverboat ferryman in order to get to the flop house. One new thing. Uh, I have a mild cold, which for longtime <laughs> listeners isn't that new a thing. It seems to happen most episodes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm Stuart Wellington of the Flop House okay. podcast, and I'm Elliot Kalen, and I just am so excited about the way Dan burst into the episode with more energy than I think we've ever seen him before <laughs> using. And Stu just shut him down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys. So uh, this is a great jumping on point for new listeners. Is it? <laughs> Did we just finished a big storyline? <laughs> I, yeah. I, I got a co-worker who I'm trying to recommend the show to. So uh, Okay. So let's, uh, yeah, let's make sure that this is, uh, you know, a good entry level thing. Now, Stu, by coworker, wouldn't you mean employee? Because you're you own a bar. And your coworkers Te- are your employees at the bar. Technically, yes, but it's kind of like how I describe my mom as also my best friend. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I've heard you do that many times. <laughs> I do it all the time. I don't stop talking about my mom. Yeah. <laughs> Stuart's all about moms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's Shelley like Wellington. Mars- if you're listening. You're the best. <laughs> well, that That's was very sweet. sweet. That was I sweet. Mean, now I feel like I need to shout Happy out to my Mother's mom. Day. <laughs> Jenny I don't need McCoy, to <laughs> my mom, lovely, lovely human being, the nicest. Uh, uh, my mom, Abby <laughs> Kalen, is great, but she doesn't listen to this. As she's told me before, I don't like that. That's not for me about this podcast. <laughs> that seems so I, totally so I don't fair. need to shout out to her. <laughs> That's, I, it fits her demographic and interests perfectly. I'm not surprised by it. Yeah. What, that she doesn't like our podcast? Yes, I'm not surprised by that. Cool. So, what do we do on this podcast, Dan? Uh, this now a- that you're done dicking around, mostly we talk about we talk about moms. Uh huh. Welcome cast. to the mom house, everybody. Yeah, I believe that would be one bad mother also on this uh, podcasting network. If yeah, which is a much better and more informative show. Than if ours. you're looking for mom content, <laughs> that's where you should look for it. Or mom tent. That's a mm-hmm. tent you put a mom in while she's <laughs> in labor. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> for privacy, I guess. There's any number of reasons you might want to put someone in a tent, but that's one of them. Okay. Um, now I'm just thinking about the – never mind. Oh, it's gross. not worth the digression. Uh, so on this podcast, we watch a bad movie, and then uh, we talk about it. Oh, yeah. And that's what we do. And this time we watch <laughs> a movie called Just Ice League about a league of people who just want ice mm-hmm. and nothing else. They don't – and when they're like – those people who are like – uh, at a fast food restaurant, they're like, just give me a cup of ice. Don't charge me for it. I don't want the soda. I'm just going to chew on the ice. And they're like, those cups are considered drinks. 
Yeah. And they're going to do an accounting at the end of the day. Every cup that we give away, it's going to come out of my salary. And they're like, I just want ice. You're going to charge me for a cup with ice? This is ridiculous. That, and yeah. then they get into a big fight that gets put on a cell phone video. And that becomes a huge hit and turns into memes. That's the plot of Just Ice League. Well, so was it a good, good movie, a good, bad movie, or a, or a sweet, bad movie? Or Dan? Totally <laughs> Uh, a sweet bad movie. <laughs> it was a bad movie, but I found it eerily touching. Yeah. I mean, that was Power Rangers for me, to be honest. Uh-huh. A sweet bad movie. Uh, or Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, the mm-hmm. uh, Van Peebles film. That's yeah. also kind of a... But anyway, uh, Dan, so we did not watch Just Ice League, right? <laughs> Since you got it wrong, I'm going to turn to Stuart. Stu, what movie did we watch? We watched Justice League, starring Batman. true and this is one of the dc comic book movie universe family of titles which has included which has concluded hopefully (laughs) which has which has included such previous flophouse entries as superman v batman dawn of justice and suicide squad yeah Yeah. it's a rich vein for us Uh so thanks Mm -hmm. dc (laughs) thanks Thanks dc for pumping out Gray, mediocre crap. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the DC movie universe is a lot like a sick dog in that it pumps out gray, mediocre crap. (laughs) Oh, that makes me sad now. (laughs) I'm Uh, glad that you're you're grading the quality of the crap. (laughs) Mediocre. (laughs) Mediocre at best. Try better next time, Woofy. (laughs) <laughs> Woofy. Isn't that part Smoke of the like Westminster the owner of a dog? Yeah. <laughs> Put a lot Isn't of energy that... into naming that dog. <laughs> Isn't that part of the Westminster Kennel Club dog show as they grade their poop, or am I wrong about that? <laughs> I you know what do they do? Like cut it open and count the rings? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Or is thought, it like an so... owl pellet and you try and find out what animals the owl ate? Yeah, what little bones are in there. So uh-huh. here's how they grade them on the, at the Westminster Kennel Club dog show. Poise, uh-huh. confidence, uh-huh. special skill. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Then there's something called freestyle. I don't know sure. what that is. I guess yeah. they just do whatever they want. Poop. It's where they uh, it's where they swim with uh, their front paws over like a crawl. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's poop. Then there's fur, mm-hmm. teeth, <laughs> bark, <laughs> bite. Okay. And the, here's the weird thing: you want the bark to be worse than the bite. That's very oh. counterintuitive, but that's how they judge these things. That's how they show you really training. And uh, lastly, it's uh, hot or not. <laughs> okay. Oh, 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 wow. Okay. Well, this is a lot Pretty more perverse simple. than I imagined it. I mean, it's weird that they put it on after the Macy's Day Parade, Thanksgiving Day Parade. <laughs> For like year. four hours with Jay Peterman just going through the whole thing like it's no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Really, really weird stuff for a national audience. But um, anyway, are we, uh, are we still talking about dogs? I don't know. <laughs> Well, I mean, so this will be dating when you watch this, but a national audience did yesterday just watch a hereditary monarchy absorb one more person into its dark web of of uh, secrets and lies. So, oh wow, that was a yeah. national. Pageant You're making it sound much more exciting than it probably is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. So, Justice League. Uh-huh. Should we dive into this thing like yeah. Greg Luganis would if it was a pool? Yeah. Can I have a big bowl of this movie right now, please? <laughs> yep. Yes, you may. So Justice League begins. Uh, we have some cell phone video of Superman, I assume, in the aftermath of his killing thousands of people in his big fight in Metropolis. Uh-huh. Uh, he's being interviewed by some off-screen kids for a podcast. 
Uh huh. And they ask him. You guys uh, had to ba- have felt a little bit like that was us, right? That's kind. Like I was what like, we sound like. I was like, Justice League. Is this a preemptive strike against us because we're jerks and we're child children men? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it's just a tie but, uh, in for that Josh Radner show. Wait, not Josh Radner. The other guy, fucking Brett Radner. Garden Snake. Garden Snake. Zach Braff. Zach Braff. <laughs> Braff. Yeah, yeah, Zach Josh Braff Ratner. That's a, that's a name you oh, call yeah, Zach the, Braff, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> They're basically the same human being. Yeah, uh, Zach Braff in the Jesse Thorne story, podcast yeah. the show. Exactly. <laughs> this was but wait, I saw how Zach Braff doesn't have a huge beard in that show? Jesse Thorne has a huge beard? I've never noticed it. His As wife. Someone, <laughs> uh, wow. Not no. Weird. Not okay, Dan. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm not. That's the hardest Dan's ever laughed at a joke. <laughs> no. Jesse's, a, <laughs> Jesse's in a loving marriage. Dan, you're making it worse. <laughs> Why did he wink when you said loving? <laughs> Why did. Oh boy, I don't know why I did that. We have a lot of fun here, don't we? So yeah, uh, we have lots of fun. Anyway, so Superman's being interviewed for a podcast, and the kids ask him, "Hey, what's the best thing about Planet Earth?" And he has he gets suddenly very serious and has no answer, and it ends the scene. And I was like, (laughs) if there's anything that encapsulates the DC movie universe, it is the idea that there is nothing good about the planet Earth. (laughs) Yeah, that Mm -hmm. you ask Superman that the smiling symbol of of justice and sunshine what's best about earth and he has nothing to tell you and it, it's it's like uh if i can go off on a slight tangent about marvel versus dc here uh-huh. it's like Mar- in the marvel universe there's so many things the characters are seen enjoying on screen food is good music is good like they just talk about hanging around with movies your they watch what just like hanging around with your friends like palling yeah, just around hanging mm-hmm. out playing, like playing pranks Picking up and, hammers. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, picking up, trying to pick up each other's hammers. Whereas in the DC universe, life is about like duty and responsibility and just like sufferance, suffering, not sufferance, suffering. And I was like, okay, so the Marvel Cinematic Universe is like Athens and the DC Cinematic Universe is like Sparta. And one of them is like a place people live and enjoy themselves. And the other is a place where you exist only to serve, I guess, the the higher purpose of of suffering for the enjoyment of the gods I don't know who are us it was it was like I was like DC you're showing your cards very early to have Superman literally unable to make up a bullshit answer for a bunch of kids about uh-huh. something he likes about Earth now do you think it was hard because they had to they had to add an upper lip to him in post because he had a mustache when they filmed it you think that's I've why say- I yeah. Oh, yeah. He was he was putting so much effort into hiding his mustache that that he couldn't <laughs> yeah. think of anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's a fun fact that I'm sure most people know. But apparently, for the all the re- the extensive reshoots of this movie, Henry Cavill had to have a mustache due to contractual reasons, and so they had to digitally erase his mustache for the movie, which seems insane. Yeah. But to be honest, I I expected it to be more obvious that he had a digital upper lip. Everybody was talking about it, and yet if you hadn't told me, I don't know that I would have noticed it. To be honest. Yeah, I mean, you're not that familiar with Henry Cavill's normal face, right? Mm-hmm. Very unfamiliar with it. I'd like to get to know it better. He's a handsome man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we have the opening cell phone clip, and then we go right to shots of flags, right? <laughs> we go to we go to sadness montage because Superman's dead. Uh-huh. Superman, the character nobody trusted or liked in the previous movies, has now, after his death, been widely accepted as the symbol of everything that's best about life and humanity, which in a way, I guess, is like 
a pretty accurate rendition of what happens to controversial figures when they die. Like once they're no longer threatening to the people that they were pushing against, they become kind of just generally accepted symbols of goodness, like like Gandhi and Martin Luther King and things like that and Christ. You know, like as soon as they're dead, it's like, oh, okay, well now we can all agree this was like a pretty cool guy. Well, when he was alive, you didn't like him. Yeah, but come on. Now, in retrospect, now that he can't stop he, me anymore, he, he, yeah, all right, I'll put a anymore. statue up. Mm. <laughs> now that he can't hurt me, now that the monster's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Superman's dead. Everybody's sad. And you might be like, wasn't everybody already sad in the DC universe? Yeah, but now they're really sad. And I kind of, I wouldn't have been surprised if there had just been a newspaper montage of headlines that are like, millions commit suicide. No reason to live anymore <laughs> now that Superman's gone. Yeah. Entirety of Japan sinks into sea. Sorry, not interested in life. Gotta go. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think we're officially, so I watched this with my wife, and so she didn't know, she hadn't seen any of the previous movies. I think she saw clips of Suicide Squad before leaving the room in annoyance, but, uh, oh, and she saw Wonder (laughs) Woman. But we, so we were watching, we were watching this movie, and I think you're, you're actually informed that Superman is dead with, like, a rained on newspaper on a Gotham City roof, right? Yeah. And so she's like, Wait, uh, Superman's oh. dead. I'm like, oh, it's a story. <laughs> Not a very good one. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah. you're right, because I forgot. But before we go to the opening titles, you uh, you see Batman, uh, ha- he traps a burglar so that he can use the burglar's fear to draw out a parademon. He, the fear is bait for a parademon, which is a flying kind of gremlin-y, steampunky monster. And we'll get into it later. Please That's what he was doing. To- yeah, and and uh, they fight, and the demon explodes into green paint for some reason. And then the burglar goes, those aliens are probably coming because Superman's gone. Uh, what are we going to do without Superman? <laughs> this is the burglar saying this. <laughs> also, I want to say that during this fight, Batman does the goofiest-looking flip off of something onto the burglar. <laughs> and I was like, for a second, I'm like, are we in Batman and Robin? Like, <laughs> it seemed like out of are a we in a bad movie, <laughs> different style Batman movie. The, uh, are we watching Rat Fink a boo boo? <laughs> <laughs> I do like the moment when he jumps and starts riding the parademon, and it looks really realistic. Uh-huh. And then the parademon comes, <laughs> flies around in a big circle, and then just goes and crashes back down on the same roof they started on. That seems crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess well, that's it's nice for the parademon to bring him back to that burglar, so the burglar can explain things. The burglar, uh-huh, well, the Herald of Steppenwolf. <laughs> the Steppenwolf, the villain, is like, I've placed one petty burglar among you. <laughs> He's just going to walk around talking about how there's trouble coming. Anyway, that's where we have the uh, the sad opening titles. We see even the Kent farm, Clark Kent's childhood farm, has been foreclosed on because I guess his mom can't meet the, pay- meet the payments. And uh, meanwhile... Meet the payments starring Ben Stiller. <laughs> So what's the plot of Meet the Payments, Dan? Pitch it to me. Pitch me this movie. Um, So so he's marrying a bank? Or what's going on? Wait, does Bobby D play the bank? Robert De Niro is the head of the bank, Uh, obviously. It would be silly if he was playing a bank. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that would be crazy. Like, do you have uh, to, like, walk into his mouth to get into the the bank vault? (laughs) He could be playing Mr. Banks from Mary Poppins. Sure. Anything's possible. <laughs> yeah, mid world. It could, it be could happen. Movie star and TV star Jonathan Banks. <laughs> That's right. That's true. Or kid secret agent Cody Banks. <laughs> Guys, there are a lot of banks. <laughs> we haven't even scratched the surface of Carlton Banks. 
the Fresh Prince of Bel Air's <laughs> true hero. I forgot there was an agent, Cody Banks. <laughs> oh, oh, we have fun here. Yeah. Hey, guys, remember when Agent Cody Banks died and the world was plunged into misery and sadness? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I told him not to ride that skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> that after all his super adventures that's what killed him he rode a skateboard down a flight of stairs <laughs> yeah well, guy. Just, just walk walk down him dude breakfast will wait <laughs> <laughs> You're, the cereal's not getting that soggy <laughs> so okay. the dc universe is in crisis in london wonder woman fights some terrorists who blame the modern world for aliens coming uh and they want to blow up some stuff because nothing happens in the DC universe that's not about whatever is going on in the DC universe. Uh, and this Bruce is, Wayne. This is a really great action scene where uh, she – I don't know, like the pacing and editing of these action sequences where this guy is shooting a machine gun and she's just like really quickly blocking the bullets. It's done in the most herky-jerky fashion so that it it takes out anything that might be exciting about it. Like it feels like why are you even casting an athletic person – you could have anyone be doing this. Yeah. Also, Wonder Woman is operating beneath the radar as only someone wearing a leather miniskirt and having a glowing rope could do. <laughs> well, the fact that she is <laughs> she's standing on top of a giant what scales of justice statue above a roof and uh-huh. she just kind of senses that there's a problem going on in the building. Like the the characters do a lot of here maybe okay. Here's a problem with the DC universe. I hadn't thought about it until now. The characters do a lot of acting like superheroes are supposed to act and doing like superhero pose things, but things that don't really make sense within the story or world that they've created. If that makes sense? No, that's I mean like, that's that's been my problem with ever since like Man of Steel's. It feels like the movies aren't doing the legwork to get to these points. Like, they're just like, mm-hmm. oh, everybody already knows that. Let's just get to this. Like, oh, yeah, it's Superman. He's going to, he just does that. I mean, there's something to be said for that in that, like, the, uh, by this point, even as a total Marvel zombie, I'm starting to get kind of fatigued by all the Marvel movies mm-hmm. where I'm like, I kind of wish I could watch one of these without watching 17 other movies. But, but, I, but there's a, there's a happy medium, I guess. The fact that James Bond continues to this day making movies where, you don't really need to know much going in other than James Bond's a secret agent and he likes to have sex with women and uh, and, and gambling. And mm-hmm. then you go in and he just has have, an adventure and then it's over. But you definitely have to know those things going in. <laughs> yeah. If you were to go in without that information, you would be so lost. You'd be like, why? You'd be like, with that woman in that bed. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. You'd, you'd be go like, up to this people man in is the a movie. sociopath. <laughs> what is go he up doing? To in the movie theater and be like, excuse me, can you explain this to me? And they're like, shut <laughs> up, dude. Uh, now, Usher, this man appears to be uh, act- flirting with this woman as if he wants to have sex with her. Is that true? Am I reading that situation correctly? Because I don't know the backstory. Because it also feels like he's threatening her in a way, and I don't think that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very true. So anyway, Batman, a.k.a. Bruce Wayne, and this is because there's a number of scenes with Bruce Wayne where I think Ben Affleck just didn't want to put on a Batman costume. He goes to Iceland to snuff out the uh or snuff out to sniff out whoa, whoa, not whoa. to kill <laughs> to to find uh to find aquaman who is the thor of these movies in that he is a blatant ripoff of thor from the marvel movies where uh-huh. he's just like a big bearded bro who's like all about drinking and fighting and uh i think he's he goes, he's like introduced to like a rock song or something yeah. right yeah well also and uh 
I mean, let's make it clear too that Batman is like trying to put together the super team because he has this vague, he has this vague sense that something is coming. Yeah, well, as like, you remember, he sees, well, he he did, sees a he prophecy did. of three squares. Yeah, I mean, he has he he did find he has Lex Luthor's notes, which seem to say that something's coming. He did fight an alien demon on a rooftop. Yeah, and that's also true. he had a and also he had a bad dream in the last movie. Remember that one? Yeah, I do remember that. So, okay. uh, but anyway. He goes to Iceland and Aquaman. There's a cut, and then Aquaman's like, "So you fight crime dressed as a bat?" And he's like, "Yeah, I do." And it's like Batman is very casually just dropping his <laughs> secret identity with this man he just met. Who, best case scenario, is kind of like just a kind of drunk heavy metal fan who hangs out underwater all the time, you know. But yeah. uh, Aquaman says, "No way, dude. I'm not interested in fighting crime. All I do is I just want to be left alone in the oceans." And then he takes uh, then, his shirt off, and you're like, "I get it." Mm. <laughs> uh, we go on to meet. Our, uh, you're like, <laughs> he, he, uh, "I'm he buying whatever sh- this guy is selling." He takes his shirt off, and you're like, "Check, not please. I'll stick around." <laughs> yep, because that's what you have to do in a restaurant. Tell the waiter, "No, no, 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 no. Don't bring me the check yet. <laughs> I would like to I have wanna- a meal." <laughs> I want to continue taking up this six top. I know there are people waiting over there by the door. I see that there's a line of people waiting. <laughs> I know I'm done eating technically, but I'm still picking at the three or four peas left on my plate. Yeah. So check not please, sir. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's what, because you have to constantly reassure the waiter that you don't need the check. That's why I like to just have a sign that I hang around my neck saying <laughs> not done. <laughs> <laughs> and then do you flip it around to the other side and it says done when mm-hmm. you're done? Actually, that would be pretty good. Then what might be helpful in a in a restaurant situation? I, I mean, I didn't invent that. Before. That's literally how uh, like uh, Radizio restaurants work, oh, like yeah? churrascarias. Well, there you go. So you have the little okay. So Dan, it's yeah. You you didn't steal that idea. It happened at the same time. Yeah, uh, completely <laughs> separate thoughts. It makes sense. Okay, cool. <clears throat> yeah, remember yeah, that sure. for the legal uh, for the for the trial. for the court case. Yeah, uh, when when uh, when it, in the case of McCoy v. Brazilian barbecue. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, okay, so then we meet our other soon-to-be heroes. There's the Flash, who is the Jim Parsons Big Bang theory of the of the movie. Yeah. He's the kind of like awkward nerdy guy, and he visits his dad in jail. His dad was convicted of a murder that the Flash thinks his dad didn't commit, and his dad's like, "Hey, stop letting me drag you back in life. You should leave me behind and go get a job in a real city." Somewhere. And you don't, and you don't cast Jim Caviezel. To act, to cast like you know he's not guilty. He's Jesus, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, Jesus. I mean, you're like not gonna. He's pretty, not. He shouldn't be in jail. Yeah. What? That was Jim Caviezel as the dad. Yeah. Yeah, that was him. Oh, okay. I didn't even recognize him. I guess it's been a while, while since I saw him in anything. <laughs> oh wow, that's <laughs> he was on. Like, I don't know what person of interest I don't know why that for is, years. Yeah, because I was gonna say because he is a. Person of interest. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Sorry just about edit that. Out sorry, your, your line. sorry for stepping on that. <laughs> yeah, it was a great line. Anyway, but forget it. Now it falls flat. Before it would have been, we would have had to stop the podcast for ten <laughs> minutes while people just laughed and laughed, then applauded, <laughs> laughed some more, stood up and applauded, then laughed, and then wiped away a tear, and then moved then on with their lives with a fresh new set of purpose and and a real yeah, yeah. feeling like they can control the world. Yeah, then the, then you wait a moment and then there's that like aftershock where you're like your whole body starts to quake and you start laughing for seemingly no reason, but it's because of that first joke. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's kind of yeah, weird that yeah. we're stopping for laughs when they could just pause it, but I mean I guess no, no, it's they're, a, they're laughing so hard they can't even control their finger to get to that oh, pause. Yeah, button. if they were to 
they would if they were to touch the phone to pause it or whatever listening device, the vibrations from their hand would shatter the device. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, it would just go straight through. It, it. Would, yeah, it would shatter or crack like a mother box would in this movie. Oh, uh, uh, well, I guess that doesn't really happen ever. <laughs> but uh, okay, so meanwhile, then we meet Cyborg, who is a cyborg. His mm-hmm. dad made him is a scientist who turned his son into a cyborg to save his life, used alien technology, and now he uses amazing powers to mope around his his apartment in a sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah, and he's uh and he's his dad is played by Joe Morton from uh, who played Dyson in uh in Terminator, in the Terminator 2. movies. And he in played the, in the, that he, story about the Dyson vacuum cleaner. And he played uh he played the brother from another planet in the movie The Brother from Another Planet. Oh, that's such a good movie. I really like that movie. Yeah. Uh, now, Dan, could you relate to somebody whose superpower is moping around their apartment? I, You know, I will say this about <laughs> this character. Like, this is probably something that's much more common in the comics than in movies because I don't read comics. So I don't know what's like a cliche in comics versus what is, you know, uh, common in, in the movies. But, but you like you read like Crazy Cat. Yeah, I read old reprints. So <laughs> Newspaper strips. Yeah, when they do like the Yellow Kid movie, you'll you'll go see that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what an unreadable comic the Yellow <laughs> Kid like, is. <laughs> You're like time to sit back and catch up on the latest adventures of Nancy and Sluggo. So much <laughs> yeah. continuity to deal with. <laughs> oh my god, a Nancy movie would just be like a different gag every minute, and it would be totally disconnected. That would be great. Yeah, you sit down to read your uh, your omnibus of Pogo, and you pull out your lexicon that translates the <laughs> wild patois that the characters speak. <laughs> uh, no, what I it would be say- helpful to have an English to Pogo dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was reading that Swamp Thing that Alan Moore wrote with uh, that had like the Pogo characters in it. Were there aliens that are the Pogo characters? And yeah. I. Got so frustrated, I almost threw the book across the room before I realized it would hurt the value. <laughs> <laughs> I I genuinely love, like, Pogo's one of my three favorite comic strips of all time, and it is sometimes hard to read, and I was reading some too, Sammy, and there were times when I was like, I'd be laughing at a joke, and I could see just total lack of comprehension on his face, and I'd be <laughs> like, I don't even know how to explain this joke to you, Sammy. It requires so many layers of fake Southern wordplay. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but then he'd be like, read me another one. It was like he had faith that they would be funny to him eventually. Yeah. But not now, young <laughs> Padawan. Not now. Um, what I was going to say long ago, though, was I don't know how much of a cliche this is in the comics, but I haven't seen in a movie a character who is not only unhappy with his powers but actively like kind of frightened of them i mean that's that's uh, that's very that's i mean that's the x-men to a certain extent yeah i guess i guess i mean i I feel like less so than this character though like i kind of thought it was a little interesting that this guy was like i don't know like he was not happy to be a superhero after seeing so many marvel things where people like take join superhero like stuff that like I know that I'm just just discuss I'm just describing the DC universe now. I don't know why this differs from like the grim and gritty stuff that I hate about the DC universe, but well, no, but it seems like there was a real, there was an actual personal motivation for this. Yeah, like he literally was like, I didn't ask for these powers. I don't like them. I can't control them. I can't be a regular human anymore. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, like, yeah, almost like Superman. What, what's the point? Why did you save me to turn me into this? Yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, so I, so you know what. I buy it. He's a relatable character. And I guess, Meanwhile, I guess the movie actually had way more cyborg stuff, and in the edits, they oh, really? pared it down quite a bit. Huh. 
I mean, I thought there was a fair amount of cyborg in the movie. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> that's not my. I wasn't. I was just saying that apparently there was more. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, I'm not making a there judgment was here. More of him like trying to watch TV shows and he just can't get into them because he's feeling depressed and he turns it <laughs> off and yeah. trying to masturbate and he's like, you know what? Forget it. I'm not even. I can't not even the mood for this and just stops. I mm-hmm. feel personally attacked by all of this. His little robot. <laughs> I'm not saying this is just you, Dan. <laughs> This is, it goes to his job as a joke writer at a topical comedy show. Oh, okay. And he's now like, I know I'm getting paid lots of money to do this, but I'm still unhappy about it. <laughs> like, I thought this, of all things, uh, would make me happy, but no, my quest is not over. Yeah. Yeah, I'll how come when I achieve my dreams, it's, <laughs> I've achieved my dreams, yet it still turned to ashes in my mouth? <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, so moving on to Hilarious the movie. Stuff. Uh, on we go to Amazon Island, where Wonder Woman's from, and uh, a mother box wakes up, and Steppenwolf shows up, and uh, he's got all these parademons. Now, Steppenwolf is what you would call a, uh, I guess, a Diablo computer games character. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So this is jumping ahead slightly, but at some point, a character gives. I think it might be Wonder Woman. Tells yeah, Wonder us, Woman kind of. Info tells dumps us, it, but yeah, Stuart, tell us, us the, what she says. Tells us the history. Uh, she explains that, you know, Steppenwolf, named after his uh, tendency to step on wolves. <laughs> uh, Just by accident. <laughs> yeah, but because of that, I mean, you can't get away from that. The kids at the in the schoolyard are going to jump on you. Um, that he had three magical <coughs> boxes and was totally fucking up planets with them. And then the a union <laughs> of the of men, Amazons, and Atlanteans stopped him. And so they gave one box to the elves. They gave one box to the elves, dwarves, <laughs> and one box to the to the men who ter- used that box to turn into ring rates. <laughs> uh, Stuart, I think you might be uh, getting this movie mixed up with the now, things it steals from. Let me tell you about Morgoth, guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Then this big Balrog looking motherfucker walks up and he's and all like, Gandalf the Great. No, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> now, Gandalf the Great. I like it. <laughs> Gandalf the Great. That's what, he, that's what he tells a lot people. Of self-confidence. <laughs> yeah, that's what he tells people at the bar. Uh, uh, now, Dan, you were going to say about Mother Boxes, then I wanted to go on a rant about uh, well, Jack Kirby's Fourth World. Just that they knew that, I mean, like, they knew that Infinity War was in production. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. <laughs> They knew Infinity War was going to come out, and they knew what the basic plot of it was going to be, that like they were going to be looking for these Infinity Stones. So why did they make a movie where the whole point was, we have to assemble multiple magical items by this like big CGI guy to destroy the world? Oh, like, I mean, that's, it's such a standard superhero fantasy I guess. I, I don't know about that. You it, think it was like when Bu- A Bug's Life and Ants came out and you were like, certainly there are other ideas, Hollywood. You don't have to make just bug movies. I don't well, know. At least there's not two competing volcano movies coming out. Whoa, 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 whoa. It was just. <laughs> I think it was because at the time, I don't know if you saw any computer animated people in like early Pixar movies and you're like, what is this? I don't like it. It makes me unhappy. <laughs> Stick to animals and toys or something. I I mean, it was just close enough. It felt like shitty Infinity War to me. And I guess they thought they could get away with it because they're like, we're scooping them. We're coming out first. But maybe. I mean, it is it is a pretty it's a dumb kind of plot. So you you bring the three mother boxes together and it creates something called the unity, which unleashes kind of like some kind of monster hell wave tendrils that 
that yeah. destroy a world and make it barren. Which and is Steppenwolf weird. seems to both worship this and also love it and also want to use it for power. Like Steppenwolf's it's like they said, what's every motivation that a villain can have for causing destruction? Let's just give him all of them and we'll make it really muddy. Like Steppenwolf is maybe the muddiest villain, muddier than Mudman, who should be the muddiest villain of all. Uh, yeah. It's what it says course, on Mud- his tin, yeah. Mudman's not a hero. I'm not a villain. Mudman's a hero. Paul Grist's Mudman. Anyway, but uh, like Steppenwolf is such a – he's a movie in search of a villain. Uh-huh. And it's like, well, we need a big bad guy for the heroes to fight. It's not time to bring out Darkseid because Darkseid should wait until movie 15 or something. So I guess we'll we'll take this other guy. And they're so – like the thing that, that bugged me the most as a comics fan uh, is that – they're just ripping elements wholesale from Jack Kirby's Fourth World series of titles, which I love. I think they're better than maybe anything else that DC has put out. Like, I love the Fourth World characters like Orion and Darkseid. And Is Light Orion Ray the guy who rides Barda. around on the, uh, on the like, On the chariot? Astro Harness? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, he's got his Astro har- Harness. You don't, he, don't confuse him with Metron, who has his, his – I think it's called a Mobius chair. Uh-huh. Uh, but, like, those characters, I think, are so fun and so interesting and crazy. And they're like, well, DC doesn't really have that many interesting, like, big giant threats. Even Superman's villains are mostly, like, just regular dudes who decide that they want to screw around with Superman. So, like, they decide to bring those in. And the mother box in the comics – this is me being super pedantic. The mother box in the comics is this kind of little computer that you carry around with you that is a positive thing and, like – is super powerful but helps you out, and Orion uses it to hide his hideously monstrous face and things like that. And instead, they've just kind of turned it into whatever. It's just some kind of crazy villain bomb thing. And there's a moment in uh, But it in also powers gu- Cyborg in this, right? Yes, and Cyborg has been created using some of this technology uh, because his dad has knows where one of the mother boxes is. But in the comics, there's this great moment in one of the New Gods comics where – uh, Light Ray and Orion are fighting a monster, and they find that it's being controlled by this kind of like te- this kind of organic brain thingy in a uh-huh. boat. And they say, and Orion goes, "Destroy it!" And Light Ray goes, "Light Ray goes, no. Why should we destroy it when we can change it?" And he uses powers to change it into a positive kind of cube thingy that's a good thing. And it's like <laughs> these movies seem it's like the entirety of the New Gods line seems to be about why should you destroy when you can create. And this movie seems to have taken the thing that one of those elements and turned it into just a tool for destruction in the hands of Steppenwolf. So I'm like, oh, movies, like, you're shitting on, like, the philosophical underpinnings of of these characters. It just, anyway, it irritates me. I've always, I always wanted to write a New Gods movie, and now it's never going to happen, as if it was ever going to happen before. Now it's really never going to happen, so I'm a little upset about it. You know who's also upset? Hmm. The Amazons, because who okay. shows up? Steppenwolf. Yeah. The Amazons' mother box, the one they're holding, starts going cuckoo crazy. Steppenwolf uh-huh. shows up, takes it. The queen of the Amazons leaves her warriors to die and runs off with the mother box. Uh-huh. Doesn't help. Steppenwolf takes it anyway, and the Amazons hit a big signal. They light a big torch, which is a symbol to, signal to Wonder Woman saying, hey, mother box trouble. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. but, but meanwhile— Lois Lane's having trouble getting back to work in the wake of the death of her lover slash superhero inspiration. Uh-huh. Is this, yeah. <laughs> is this true? Because this is around the point where I started dozing off and I finished the second half of the movie the next day because I was like, you know what? I'm not absorbing things right now. 
Yeah, no, this is a scene where Lois Lane is like, she's talking to uh, Diane Lane, who okay. is not her mom, but Superman's mom, kind of yeah. weird, uh, and tells her, oh, I'm having trouble getting back to work since Clark died. And this should be like, this should have been probably the best scene in the whole movie, but it just didn't quite work to me because it's, I don't know. It just didn't, it, yeah. it felt so false within the entirety of the film. Lois you know? Lane is much, is driven much like Wonder Woman by the loss of a man. <laughs> their only defining like thing is that they're both getting over the death of a dude yeah i guess that's true uh cyborg he kind of without even trying taps into batman's computers because the movie just needs him to yeah and uh and wonder woman shows up in the bat cave she explains what the mother boxes are like stewart did but with much more bad cgi and much less uh like uh concision and clarity uh-huh. Uh, but what I like about it is she's like, she's like the men, the Atlanteans and the Amazons teamed up to stop Steppenwolf. And it's almost like the movie is telling you, look, this all happened before. We're just going to show you a short version of the movie within this movie. And then you're going to see it happen again. Yeah. Uh, and it's weird kind of that like, I mean, I guess that's why, I don't know. Batman doesn't know the story yet. So it's weird that Batman is like, I'm going to specifically recruit the exact people who defeated Steppenwolf before to defeat him again. I think we're supposed to take it as like it's a prophecy, you know, history oh, okay. rhymes, that kind of thing. But instead it comes off as laziness. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, it also – I feel like it also is the DC universe saying like these are the races in the DC universe. There's people, there's Atlanteans, there's Amazons. That's it. Get used to it. Yeah. <laughs> and they and they kind of lay out that they now have to build a team. Like that they got to they gotta get the band together. Right. Yeah. They not even get the band back together. They never had a band. Yeah. So they they have to go recruit the Flash. What if they got together the band from a band of outsiders? Um the, the Godard movie. So there'd just be like a bunch of jump cuts, I guess. Yeah, and like Batman and Wonder Woman are just running around the Louvre to try to get around it as fast as possible. Okay. I mean I guess that wouldn't be so hard for the Flash. He would just do that. Yeah. Probably a less successful movie financially, I would guess. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, probably. Uh, so Bruce Wayne goes to uh, the Flash's kind of rave headquarters lab because the Flash hangs out at the place that all the Foot Clan kids did in the first Ninja Turtles movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like he's just he's just watching TVs and testing out his six skateboard jumps. Yeah, I remember um, seeing that in that Ninja Turtles movie and being like, "This is what it's like to be a teenager." I bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, for a guy who I guess is on the run all the time, he's got a pretty sick setup that uh, looks like it, you know, he's really moved into this place. What I like is he's got his costume set up on a mannequin in the mm-hmm. middle of the room, uh-huh. which would be much harder to put on than if it was just on like a hook hanging right. from a wall. Yeah. And it means that when he's done stopping a crime, he has to come home, take off the costume, and then pull the sleeves over a mannequin's arms. Yeah. And then zip up the back. And then I guess have sex with the mannequin, I assume. (laughs) I mean, why not? You got a mannequin. I I guess when you're the Flash, like, it's a lot less – you put a lot less concern into, like, what takes time. I guess that's true. You're right. It would take him almost no time at all. Yeah. I mean, but that's the question is, what is what is time to a being such as that? Yeah, because like it still takes time. It's just it goes it it would go so much faster for a regular human, but it still probably takes the same amount of time for him. Yeah. Elliot, does the flash age more rapidly? Uh, maybe. 
Okay. I don't. I didn't yeah, write what this. Is this. What I don't does know. the Speed Force do, Elliot? <laughs> Explain the Speed uh, well, this, Force. My understanding is that it does not, unless you are it writing in Crisis on Infinite Earths, and then the Flash runs until he dies in that mm, okay. in that one. But I don't think they age faster than normal. I could be wrong about that. Okay. He's certainly putting a lot of wear and tear on his ligaments. That's for sure. Yeah, that's yeah, his real superpower. Yeah. His ACLs must be incredibly invulnerable. Dan, you can speak to this. Well, actually, running doesn't uh, stress the ACL because it's a forward motion. It would be side to side oh. motions that would be the real real problem. So you're saying when he does the electric slide really fast yeah, at that's weddings, right. that yeah. would hurt his ACL. Exactly. Now, they do also. This but is what about the cha cha slide? For a while now. <laughs> if he does the cha cha slide, is that okay, Dan? <laughs> uh, well, what about that? What about that dance where it's like to the left, to the left? Clap, 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 clap. What fucking about that one? Cha-cha slide, dude. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't know. Okay, what about line dancing? Uh, look, I'm not a fucking superhero dance expert. I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, they're things. regular whoa, whoa. dances. <laughs> that isn't what you told me when we were dating. Okay, well. <laughs> were you just lying to impress me? Elliot, we promised never to talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> no, no, it's time to talk about it. Dan and I were in a relationship for quite some time. <laughs> You were when feeling, he told me he was a superhero dance expert. <laughs> you were fueling several weird fantasies right now. <laughs> he once told me, he's like, oh, you know, I taught all the Reavers, the X-Men villains, how yeah. to dance. And it took me a long time to remember, like, wait a minute, those guys don't have legs. Nor, nor are they technically <laughs> superheroes. <laughs> That's true, too. They're just he's Australian. Like, he's like, did, did I tell you that I taught Mojo how to dance? And only now am I realizing, again, not a superhero has no legs. Dan, what? This is crazy. Although I will have to say, if Mojo danced, that would be huge ratings. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, he would st- kid- he would maintain would his it. hold on the Mojo verse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, I don't remember what we were talking about, but but uh, uh, oh yeah. So part of something that's been part of the Flash for a long time is that he has to eat a lot of junk food to get his calories up. Yeah. Because he burns calories, and that's the only nod to like the effects of running really fast all the time on a human body. Yeah. There, everything else they just don't put much thought into. Okay. He enlists the Flash, who joins instantly. Cyborg reaches out to Wonder Woman through text on a computer screen because at that point, I guess he's remembering the old PBS show Ghost Rider, which uh-huh. Cyborg is about the right age to have watched when he was a kid. Yep. So he's like, I'm going to be like my hero, Ghost Rider, and I'm going to talk to them through text on a computer screen. Uh, they meet up in a the most deserted city in the world, uh, but it's, he's still too depressed about his powers to join. He's like, I don't know. I'm going to mope some more, blah, blah, blah. <coughs> Uh, Aquaman saves a fisherman in a storm, and the fisherman says he was attacked by a monster. Then Aquaman goes to Atlantis, Steppenwolf's there, trying to take a mother box, and we learn that Aquaman Aquaman fails. Steppenwolf takes the box, and we learn Aquaman is a prince whose mom, the queen of Atlantis, abandoned him, and he's always been kind of like, wah-wah about it. Like, he's never gotten over it, you know? Uh Uh-huh. That's why he's so jacked now. He's put all that energy into, you know, improving his body. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it, I mean, it, it worked. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you can't fault the he results. Looks, he looks you know? incredible, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the what I also liked is that so Aquaman has this conversation with I assume it's supposed to be Dolphin, another Atlantis character, but uh, uh or and, Mira, uh, the, or maybe the, it's Mira. It's Mira. You know what? It's probably not Dolphin. It's probably Mira. And uh, they uh, she creates kind of an air bubble around them underwater so they can talk. I think. Yeah, and it's like so. Do the Atlanteans mostly speak through sign language? If because water is also very good at carrying sound, why did they have to go through the motions of doing that? I don't know. It's a dumb movie. So Steppenwolf 
He has his own headquarters inside of like a Chernobyl cooling tower. Mm-hmm. And uh, he monologues about how Superman's death made the world sad. And with the unity, he'll become a new god under Darkseid. He just mentions Darkseid for one moment. Mm-hmm. And he uh, says new god. And I'm like, oh, I like the new gods. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, I will. Yeah. And it's like, uh, don't tease me. Like, don't tease me with the better thing this could have been. I could have seen, seen Mr. Miracle and Big Barda just bopping around. And I guess they're making a uh, a new gods movie now, right? I don't know. So I think isn't uh, Ava DuVernay directing it? Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah, I think, I I think so. That. Uh, and so the pan demons are the pan demons. Pan demons are pan fried demons. Uh, they're delicious. Oh, wow. it's, yeah, I mean, they're not as good for you as the steam demons, but, you know. <laughs> but, I, but they taste so much better. They're crispy. I, That's I what's know. so great about That's them. That's the thing. Sometimes you just got to be bad. <laughs> like a parademon, which are the real bad guys I should have mentioned. Okay. They're kidnapping scientists and bringing them to Steppenwolf's sewer tunnel that he's operating out of in America. <laughs> yep. And uh, the, the par- it's one of these things where it's like, Steppenwolf, he needs to find out where that mother box is. So I guess he's got to do some old shoe leather detective work and interrogate the interrogate the suspects by kidnapping scientists. Mm-hmm. And the heroes show up and they're standing around talking while Steppenwolf literally s- snaps a man's neck and he w- <laughs> won't answer a question. And I was like, these heroes are really taking their time. Like <laughs> they don't seem to have very much of a like uh, hurry about them. Uh, but then. Steppenwolf threatens Cyborg's dad, so they all jump in and fight Steppenwolf and his dudes. Flash is doubting his confidence, but he ends up saving a lot of people. Batman calls in a kind of ghost-in-the-shell spider tank that he can drive around in shooting things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's this Which is, is my of, favorite thing about Batman as a character, is that he drives around in a giant tank. <laughs> there's a scene later where Batman steals a parademon's laser gun and is just using it to shoot parademons to death. And I was like, what the, he- what, like, what the fuck is this? Like that Batman is using a gun to shoot anything is crazy to me. Yeah. Like, th- I mean, he's th- the world's greatest detective. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. So he solved the mystery of what to do with a laser. But these are like demon creatures. I mean, they're not like, I don't know. It doesn't bother me as much as there are other movies where Batman actually just shoots people. And you're like, wait, whoa, movie, come on. Like in Batman Returns when machine when there's uh, car mounted machine guns that pop out and he's just shooting henchmen yeah. at them. And he just like drops a bomb into the sewers one time, you know. <laughs> That's a little uh, weird. Tra- Batman has a lot of missiles and things. This so this is one of the many DC movie action sequences that take place in a dark tunnel because again, heroes are there to inspire us. Uh, the heroes <laughs> have to escape because Steppenwolf, Steppenwolf floods the tunnel. Aquaman shows up and somehow uses his trident to hold the water back, which uh-huh. doesn't I, – I never really understood. I think that's a like, power of his trident, right, is that it's a magic trident? Yeah, is it? I don't know. I think so. I mean it's probably <laughs> magic. He fights against that other magic weapon with it. Yeah. Okay, that's true. Okay. Maybe I'm just not remembering that he has a magic water-controlling trident or what an old-timey prospector would call a divining rod. Uh-huh. Which means the Aquaman, I assume, takes the trident, holds it by its prongs, and mm-hmm. just uses it to find a place he can dig a well. Mm-hmm. Or he just uses it to grift uh, homesteaders out of money. That <laughs> <laughs> too, yeah. Hey everyone, we ran into some technical difficulties this week with Elliot's audio track. So at this point, we're going to switch over to the backup track we recorded that just recorded the Skype call. Apologies, the audio is a lot worse. I won't uh, sugarcoat it. 
because we had to use the internal microphones when we were doing the backup track rather than our regular microphones. But if you're a fan, I think it's totally listenable. Uh, if you're angry at the audio, believe it, uh, we are too. Uh, sorry that we had to do this, but we thought it'd be better to put out a half good show than no show at all. So I hope that you enjoy the rest of the show and don't get too frustrated with the change in audio quality. Thanks. So Aquaman is just an old-fashioned rainmaker? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Aquaman's got to eat. That's true. Uh, but he's got so many fish. Batman keeps saying, you talk to fish, right? And eventually it's, he says, the water talks. And I was like, okay, I kind of like that response. It's, But, it, I mean, that, that shit is the, the epitome of these movies, where if they clearly are like, Aquaman's pretty lame, right? Let's try and, like... Let's hang a lampshade on Yeah, let's hang a lampshade on the lame parts, but also make them cool. Yeah, Yeah. it's like, well, let's call out the shitty things as opposed to making them cool. Because, frankly, you could do a really cool sequence where Aquaman mind melds with a shark to find out information or something like that. Yeah. Like, that would be really cool. Instead, they make him kind of like a, uh, like kind of a Dursu Uzala kind of like man of nature. Uh He speaks to the spirits of of the soil and the water and the wind and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who also loves to chug a pint and just throw down to some Thin Lizzy. Oh, yeah. And then, it'll, uh, and then anytime anything good happens, it, it's got to cut to him so he can say something cool like, Yeah! So my <laughs> man! Booyah! Take that one to heart! You know that you know that Aquaman Aquaman twenty years ago went through a real like pop ska phase where he was just like <laughs> sure. soup. He was always dressing up in zoot suits and stuff, and he was going to like real big fish and big bad voodoo daddy concerts. And like <laughs> yeah, oh, and, uh, yeah. And, and my favorite one, the cherry pop and Danny's. All right, I mean, yeah, yeah. Dan's band, the Cherry Pop and Danny's. Yep, it's more of a swing revival band, but uh... <laughs> very close. Those if if the swing revival and the and like. Pop Ska were very, very closely related siblings. Yeah. But uh, I just want to say... Brass, in a way, brass should not be used. <laughs> yeah. Aquaman, I I think, I don't know what you guys think, Aquaman is easily the most irritating, worst of the superheroes shown in this movie. And he, of course, is the one who's getting a solo movie uh, coming up soon. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I found The Flash pretty irritating, too. Really? I could see yeah. you finding The Flash irritating, knowing what I know of your, like... Feelings about about comedy and stuff, but I found it about the Big Bang Theory. There's a lot of scenes where the Flash is like, it's just, he's. It, I mean, just stopping to quip in a way that was, it was. It's just like, and throw two scared nerd joke, and throw two guys who, who's uncomfortable around women, stuff like that. Yeah, I found him mostly endearing. I mean, I guess I liked him because at least there was some attempt at. Levity in the movie, and I will say it, it doesn't. Say, it doesn't uh, help the movie that the the what the CW Flash show yeah. already has a very serviceable Flash actor. Yeah, I think it's very strange that you have. So those shows don't take place in the same universe as the movies, right? No, no. They must. I thought it was very strange to have a different Flash. I do like the guy who plays the Flash. Ezra Miller. He does, fine, he does a fine job with a character I don't like. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. And yeah, he's he's a decent actor. I like the I like that kid in that uh that Fantastic Beasts movie, huh? Uh, I don't know <laughs> the Fantastic which, Four. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess they're beasts. They have magic powers. <laughs> they got them from a wizard, right? Yeah, as a monster man, y'all classifies uh, them exactly. as beasts. <laughs> the they, got, they got their powers from Mr. Wizard, a.k.a. science. <laughs> so this is when the movie... Uh, so Cyborg says, oh, he, I, have, I have the last mother box. And he, he gives them a lot of scientific mumbo-jumbo about it destroys as it creates and a whole lot of nonsense. All that hargle-bargle gar- garbage that these movies traffic in. And the Marvel movies have plenty of it, too. Uh, and they somehow take this to mean, hey, I bet if we put Superman in that goop that was in his spaceship, take his dead body, put it in the goop, stick a mother box in there, and then jazz it with electricity, we could probably bring Superman back to life because he's such an amazing inspiration. And they spend so little time debating the idea of bringing their friend back to life with magic alien technology and none of them ever really questions wait is that something we can do like they all just take it for granted like hey you know what's one of the moves that we have on the table right now is uh using this magic box to bring superman back to life because he's dead now and you know what i'm just gonna put it out there let's do that and they're like should we yeah i guess we have to it's it's they jump to the craziest possible solution with the least amount of time or energy to get there. And like I mean, it's yeah. nuts. If they could, if they could do that with Superman, why don't they just do that with everyone on the planet forever? <laughs> well, now you're. Now I mean, you're that's, into the that's, Star Trek Into Darkness problem where they solve death. <laughs> yeah, why don't they solve death? I mean, it's it's similar to the <laughs> argument of uh, spoiler alert for Avengers: Infinity War. Just go la 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 la. Uh, people are the, there's a common argument of like if he can do anything with that magic thing that's ill defined, why doesn't he instead of killing off half the universe, why doesn't he make twice as much resources? Yeah, and what sometimes, about that? yeah. What about that, Thanos? <laughs> well, we'll find out later on the show when I bring Thanos on and put his feet to the fire <laughs> on my new show, Elliot Halen. But it's the same. It's the same sort of thing that where you introduce a magic thing and then you're like. I don't know. Yeah. Here's the one limited use we're going to we're going to make of this magic thing. Yeah. Basically. Uh what's well, like in a uh well, I don't know. That was a great example, Stuart. I don't know why I'm trying to come, trying to come up with another one. Anyway, cut to uh Cyborg and Flash literally by hand digging up Superman's corpse and they kind of bond a little in that moment. And there's a moment where Flash's shovel hit, makes a thud as it hits the lid of a coffin and he has a look on his face like, "What?" Like, kind of shocked, surprised. It's like, dude, you're digging up a fucking corpse. Like, what did you, what did you expect to find down there? What what is? It was this very weirdly like not a reaction that made sense in that. Like, and it's, uh, it's you know it's what him and Cyborg digging it, digging it up, right? Yes. So why didn't uh, they have why didn't they have Aquaman, whose weapon basically looks like a shovel? Or why uh, I don't didn't think Cyborg get much digging done with a trident? <laughs> why didn't? Well, I mean. He could just spear the ground like a big fork and then... Have you, no, have you ever tried to eat, like, really loose rice with a fork? It doesn't work that great. <laughs> and then why uh, didn't like really Cyborg turn his arms into, like, a giant steam shovel or something? Well, the real question is, why didn't the Flash dig it up with super speed? Why is he taking his time, shovel... shovel uh, I think he explains it, but push. I wasn't paying that close attention. Oh, maybe he does. He's like, I'm tired. <laughs> 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 they never, they never really show Superman's corpse, by the way, which is I I I couldn't help wondering. Very like, tasteful. <laughs> I couldn't help wondering what condition he was in. Like, I mean, I they, they mentioned see... that his cells don't degrade. Is okay. Yeah. Cells well, don't. then why didn't they just show him? Because I kept picturing him as being like rotted before <laughs> they put him in the thing. 
was like a skeleton in a Superman costume. Yeah, exactly. Like in that that the cover of that one Panic in the Sky issue. Uh, I I would have thought that if they he, if they brought him back and then you see like his his skin regrowing over him and his muscles and things that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. And then like uh, just like all the parts, all the fleshy parts of his body growing back. Anyway, that so was they, they don't do that. So they stick him Instead, in some goop uh, and they Frankenstein him back to life. They Frankenstein him back to life, and it basically just comes down to zapping him with electricity with a mother box until he comes back to life. But he's all—he's to be fair to him, he's been through the tra- trauma of dying, coming back to life, and he just starts fighting all of them. And this was the moment where I was like, instead of a fight, I wish that it was like they had to reteach him how to use the bathroom and stuff <laughs> like that. Mm-hmm. Like it was just really intense physical therapy yeah. that they put him through. The movie just turns into regarding Henry all of a sudden. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he learns the the wonder of dance and mm-hmm. finally has a has a lively relationship with his wife and yeah. anyway, uh yes, Ritz Superman, crackers. Sorry. The weird thing is, yeah. <laughs> the weird thing is Superman seems to remember them, but he's still being an asshole to them. Like he's really mad, but I could it like he's he sees Batman and he's like you won't let me live, you won't let me die and uh and he goes, "The world needs you." And Superman goes, "Yeah, but does it need you?" And it's like unless Superman is a brain damaged zombie. Yeah. It's hard for me to buy him remembering his previous life and being like, I should probably kill Batman out of anger right now. But I guess the movie, this series, the movie series, Superman is just a much more volatile character. He's much more like Robert De Niro in uh, this boy's life than uh-huh. he is the Superman we know from the uh, comics. I think, I think it's called this bug's life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. About this bug's life about the aunt who has the abusive stepdad. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but then Batman brings out the big guns. Lois shows up. And as soon as Superman sees Lois, he's like, oh, I'm fine now. It's okay. <laughs> he's like, busted. Well, the power of love by Hugh Lewis in the news starts playing. Because that's the power <laughs> I of wish. love, I wish. That would have been amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. or, and, uh, and, but then, and meanwhile, in the background, while they're fighting Superman, Steppenwolf just sneaks in and takes the box and leaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say that. It seems like they, their energy would have been better served protecting the final box than uh doing this harebrained scheme like, no they don't do that yeah. uh wonder woman has a crisis she says i can't you've always wanted me to lead the team but i can't lead people and send them into harm that's how i lost steve treasure trevor and i had this moment where i was like did batman ever ask her to lead the team because batman's been pretty much acting as the leader the whole time like yeah. it's this very weird i felt either a scene was cut or wonder woman is just one of those people who's like Obviously, I should be in charge, but I know you guys are too afraid to say it. I mean, I so, think she's. You know what? I'll just take charge. Is she the oldest? I don't know. I mean, she. Well, she's definitely she has the to oldest. Be. She's a hundred years old. I mean, yeah. I don't, how old's Aquaman? That's true. That's I mean, Aquaman point. can't lead anything. Aquaman is <laughs> <laughs> like he spends half his time in like a whiskey coma. Aquaman. Yeah, he's uh, yeah. he's like a Michelangelo. Michelangelo doesn't lead. Yeah, that's true. He's a and doesn't dude. want to. Yeah. He doesn't want the responsibility. Raph, he wants to lead, but he knows that really he doesn't have the temperament for it. Mm-hmm. Leonardo, he doesn't ultimately want to lead either, but he knows he has the responsibility because he has the skills. He also doesn't have any defining traits other than that. Yeah, That's true. And Donatello, look, Donatello's just trying to get through technical college so that he can get a job <laughs> as an engineer, finally work his way out of the sewers. Yeah. Uh, I would like to so, think that he would work his way out of the sewers only to get a job designing sewers to make them better. And more habitable. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's talking to the mayor. The problem with your sewer system is it's not really a good place for people to live. Uh, Donatello, <laughs> people said I was crazy when I placed a teenager, not just a mutant turtle, but a ninja. Let's set that aside, but a teenager at the head of the sewer rebuilding project. Uh, but I'm looking through the line item here on the budget, and it says there's a lot of money here for softer couches and a big screen TV. <laughs> Why are there so many uh, half pipes when we need full pipes for a sewer? Uh, now, don't you think it would it, it would affect the proper working of these sewers if there was a brick oven pizza <laughs> making restaurant and every basically every jun- juncture between different pipes? Can you explain this to me? Because the city council is really breathing down my neck. Again, I put a lot on the line by hiring a teenager to do this work. Let alone, as I said, a naked turtle man who <laughs> always carries around a bow staff like he's looking for a fight. Yeah. No, it, 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 yeah, this, this, this won't work. You, this are is you, untenable. Dan, are you tired of the bit? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I haven't even gotten to the part where he's like, Donatello, can we at least meet with your mask off? Because frankly, I don't know that it's not one of your brothers wearing your mask in a kind of weird <laughs> dead ringer scenario so you can all date April O'Neil. Again, the fact that you are so closely connected with the Wait, is that nature the, news. Is that the plot of Dead Ringers? Is that all these people are trying to date April O'Neil? <laughs> yep, you guessed it. <laughs> okay, I get it. I'm just saying it's a conflict of interest that you have such a close relationship with the media in this town. Donatello, I'm going to have to ask for you to resign your position. And Donatello's like, oh no, this is going to the courts. I get, And that's, how, that's what Show Me a Hero is about, right? I think so. <laughs> okay. I mean, I didn't get through it, so it's probably it's possible. I'm just Oscar Isaac plays Donatello, right? Very loosely based because he has a mustache. Yeah, <laughs> that's ex- they had to digitally alter the mustache to make it more like Donatello's face. <laughs> so, uh, that, uh, so Superman, knowing that there's a monster man out there who's trying to stop destroy the world, goes to his family farm and just kind of touches corn stalks for a while, mm-hmm. uh, and Lois convinces him that the world needs him. Uh, he tell, Lois says, what was it like being dead? And he says it was weird and confusing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, does he have a memory of being dead? Like, he, yeah. At this point, it's also, it's like, okay, Steppenwolf aside, Clark Kent can now tell us what lies beyond the veil. Like, where do we go when we die? This is such a much bigger issue than whether we can get these mother boxes apart. Uh-huh. Uh, Steppenwolf, he puts the boxes together and makes the unity, further destroys the area around Chernobyl, which I felt like was really rubbing it in, insult to injury, you know. Uh, Aquaman has a little speech about his feelings, because it turns out he's holding Wonder Woman's lasso for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, the heroes go to Russia. Batman goes off with his bat plane to knock out the shield dome, because, of course, in this movie, there's a scene where someone has to fly a plane to stop a shield or something. Uh, the characters, he he kind of knows. He's like, I know that the shield dome is being created by those things over there, even though this is like alien technology we've never seen before. Batman uses, uh, what, like, is it a sound or a fear spray or something to lure the parademons away from the shield, uh, thus okay. creating an opening for the heroes to go in and stop Steppenwolf. Do the heroes do that? No. They jump in and fight parademons to help out Batman. And it's like... I wish Batman was going like, strategy, guys, strategy. Like, I did this for a reason. Yeah. Go in yeah. and stop him. But uh, friendship is stronger than strategy, I guess. I guess that's what it is. Uh, the same way that it bothered me in Black Panther, when they sent out the foot soldiers, the bad guys, and then sent out their big machines. That's not how you do that. Soften up the opposing force with your artillery and your armored stuff. Then you send in your foot soldiers. Anyway, come on. So, Black Panther, can you redo that scene for me? <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh 
Steppenwolf is uh, fighting these guys. They yep. jump in to fight him. Cyborg's doing some nonsense to separate the boxes. Flash is fighting demons. Wonder Woman's fighting Steppenwolf. Batman joins in with his laser gun, which I did not like. Fighting, fighting, fighting. There's this one Russian family we've been stopping with throughout the movie to see <laughs> yeah, how yeah. they're dealing with the parademon threat. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, it really helps. It really script. helps contextualize this whole struggle. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is the point in the it's, movie, by the way, in which I lost all interest because it's just a big CGI battle. Yeah, oh, yeah it is yeah. so boring. It's yeah. so boring. There's no sense of how it reminded me a little bit of the big battle at the end of Force Awakens, where I was like, I don't know how many times they're going to have to swoop down on this Death Star. I don't care. Like it's, I don't know what the status wow, is. I don't know how hard. far their goal they are. That is a hot what? take from Elliot Kalin knocking Star hot Wars. Take. He's like, too like much diversity, says Elliot Kalin. <laughs> too much what? Too much diversity. <laughs> I didn't like that these women are the heroes now. No, they, I liked the first half of that. The new characters, loved them. New situations, great. The minute they got to uh, Han the Solo, Space Cantina. Like, oh, I don't need this. Yeah. <laughs> well, the minute they got to the Space Cantina, I was like, wait a minute. I saw this in Star Wars. And they were like, guess what, guys? We've got a threat. It's the size of a planet, and it can blow up planets. We're going to have to swoop down in X-Wings and stop it. And I was like, oh, like in the movie Star Wars? I mean, in, I, I mean the movie does make a joke about that, though, right? So it does, but the same it, way that they make it's a the good Aquaman. Excuse. But the, the same way that in this movie they're like, Aquaman, you talk to fish, right? It's like making a joke about the problem doesn't diffuse the problem. You By know? the way, anyway. screenwriting 101, if you make jokes about him talking to fish, you need to have a fish show up at the end and save them, and then they're like, thanks, dude, and then he like gives yeah. the fish a fucking thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Chekhov's yeah. fish. Yeah, Sharky the Tuna shows up. <laughs> As Jabberjaw shows up. Hey, guys, what's up? What's up please? I got a jerk. He, he plays drums on Steppenwolf's helmet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, uh, I'll stop you, Steppenwolf. Oh, boy. Uh, the, and I will say that, uh, you know what? I'll give credit to J.J. Abrams for this. I think he had about a week to write that script, uh -huh. so I totally understand why he had to just rip off the end of the first Star Wars movie. I don't I don't blame him. He had no time to write it. Anyway, so, uh, Steppenwolf says a lot of nonsense about, throughout the movie, he's always talking about how the unity is the mother of monsters, and power is the only law, and all this garbage. Superman shows up. Uh, he said, uh, and, uh, he says something about, like, power is the only law. That's the truth. You won't see it. And Superman goes, I don't know. I've always been a big fan of truth, but I'm also a big fan of justice. And then punches Steppenwolf, and it was, like, <laughs> lame. <laughs> that was super lame. Yeah. Uh, Superman punches Steppenwolf once, then goes off to save civilians, which is Flash's job. He's like, Wonder Woman, Aqu Aquaman, you were having trouble defeating the big bad guy, and you brought me back to life so I could do it. I'm just going to go help out Flash with the easy stuff. You take care of it. Uh, but suddenly they're strong enough to beat up Steppenwolf, I guess, because Superman inspired them. Superman and Cyborg separate the boxes. There's a big power surge they've been warning about that isn't really that bad. It just knocks Superman over. Uh, yeah. And Batman is able to protect himself from the power surge by putting his arm in front of his face. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He's, he's like, hiding his identity. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're like, when we move these boxes, they're going to be blowback major. All right, let's get used to it. And Batman's just kind of like, he does exactly what you do if the sun was a little brighter than you thought it would be when you walked out of the ophthalmologist after having your pupils dilated. Uh -huh. That's about enough to stop the, the power surge from hurting him. Yeah. Uh, they finish beating up Steppenwolf. 
And Steppenwolf is afraid now. He's like, what? This can't be. No. And the parademons sense his fear and swarm him and eat him until a boom tube takes him away. Yeah. Here's another problem. The boom tubes, they don't boom. They don't make boom noises. There's never a boom. That is too bad. Anyway. It also sounds like boom tube, so that's weird. That's I mean, true. yeah, it's but true. that's the name of the thing in the comics, though, Dan. you got to stick to the source oh, okay. material. <laughs> I mean, if you're not going to take advantage to have a dimensional portal called a boom tube that makes a big boom when it shows up, why are you making this movie? Yeah. Why even bother? Were they worried that it was going to sound too much like the, uh, what the, whatchamacallit, the, the Bifrost in uh, the Thor movies? Oh, maybe. Because yeah. that makes it's, a big it's boom. The, it's the same way that if you're going to make an Aquaman movie and you're not going to have him talk to fish, what are we doing here? Why yeah. are we bothering? What's the, because without talking to fish, he's just Namor, a much better character because Namor is an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's in love with Sue Storm. <laughs> yeah, and he's always trying to steal a married woman away from the smartest man in the Marvel I universe. love that stuff so much. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just due to my love of cuck fantasies. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> oh, well, Reed Richards is on his way to being the ultimate beta cuck, which is weird because he should be. He's defeated Dr. Doom so many times. He's the ultimate alpha male, but he's kind of an alpha cuck. Is yeah. that possible? I think we've said that too many times already. <laughs> uh, anyway, they stop, they stop Steppenwolf. The world's been saved. Uh, Bruce saves Clark's home by buying the bank that was foreclosing on it. He doesn't give him the money to just take it away instead to get his home back. Instead, he buys the bank because now it's like Bruce is saying to Superman, I own you. If you don't do what I tell you, your mom's <laughs> going to be out on the streets. <laughs> I love it, too, because it's like, why didn't he just do it before... Why, why didn't he? Why didn't he just help her out after he helped get her son killed? <laughs> yeah, it's true. And why then step in now. And when they're when when they're you know helping uh, take all the furniture back into the house, uh, there's he's talking to Superman, and I I swear that Batman says I did a mistake. <laughs> when, when Superman's like, "Thanks for doing this," he's like, line, "I did a mistake." <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, Bruce is, for all that Bruce Wayne is the world's greatest detective and all that, he is old, inbred old money, I have to assume. Like, he's brought, look at, if you look at Donald Trump's kids, they're not the brightest kids. Like, if you look at Jared Kushner, he's not a very bright man. If you okay. inherit wealth, you you aren't always the brightest bulb in the bunch. It's like, they always present Batman as pretending to be like, in Bruce as Bruce Wayne, I'm going to pretend to be this idiot playboy who doesn't understand his business. I think that's just him. And the one thing he's able to do is have Alfred do a lot of fun. Like, Alfred is brilliant, and Alfred's able to solve crimes for him and things okay. like that. That's, that's, a, my that's, guess a, that's an interesting Wayne. take. That's my hot take. Bruce Wayne is like an idiot rich kid who really got into MMA. And, mm. like, that's why he's super buff because he's a gym rat. And Alfred is the one who does all the, like, smarty pants stuff. And, and that's why Batman has, like, a bat plane and a bat car and all this other shit. Because he's just got to like show off all his stuff. Oh wow! I, I just anyway. got a I just got a text from Warner Brothers. They like your take on Batman and want you to make a movie. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, okay, I guess so. Uh, so at, now we're at the end of the movie. Lois has a little monologue about how uh, the Justice uh, and Bruce buys a like Justice League clubhouse mansion. Uh, now is this monologue, monologue meant to be an article she's writing? <laughs> I have to assume so. This is her. She is now that Superman's back. She can go back to work. She's inspired again. So she's writing her first return column, and it's all about how hope is real. And that and it's like really because the movie we just saw 
it was a grim a grim fable about the <laughs> futility of hope and that even the relief of death is not enough to save you from Batman dragging your ass back into this veil of tears also, so that you can fight a big CGI guy with, with antlers on his helmet. I also feel like throughout basically all Superman movies, uh, Lois Lane's only job is to write editorials about hope. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. all she does at the Daily Planet. Or Superman. Yeah, that's true. Uh... And th- so the movie ends. Uh, then there's a credit scene. Flash and Superman are going to race each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's the post-credit scene where Lex Luthor, who has escaped jail by replacing himself with a different bald man, is surely <laughs> the least interesting escape plot I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> it's an indictment of the way we look at bald men. Like, oh, they're all the same. I guess so. I guess so. Uh, he, uh, Lex Luthor is now on a on a yacht flying the Dutch flag, and Deathstroke, the Terminator, shows up. And Lex That's Luthor says, "Two, two cool names. That's too many cool names in one name. Too many. And his real name is what? Slade Wilson. Yeah. yeah so yeah. too many cool names. Do you think uh, he's Do you think he's Lex angry says, that the parody character of him has become much more famous and popular? Oh, has to be. Yeah. Has to be that Wade Wilson Deadpool is now starring in his second hit film." And yeah. Deathstroke is at is at best a villain in what the Flash TV show? Uh, it was and, the Arrow TV show. Oh, in Arrow, the Arrow TV show, and uh, is now being set up to be like one of just a team of guys. Because Lex says, "Isn't it time we had a league of our own?" With seeming <laughs> we no are... irony, there's a movie called League of Our Own. We so, already uh, have a league of our own. <laughs> <laughs> which is, and I wish I I want to see that scene continue where Deathstroke goes. What like lady baseball players? And like was like what? Yeah. Like the movie, A League of Our Own. Yeah, like just yeah. like I don't know. That was before I was born. And Deathstroke's like seriously, how young are you, kid? Like that movie is not that old. And Deathstroke looks it up on his on his phone and is like, shit, that was like twenty five years ago. Oh, you're making me feel old, man. Forget yeah. it. I gotta go. Yeah, that's the scene I want to see. But uh, so that's and so it's it's setting up, I guess. It, Justice League Two, Justice League versus the World Crime League, is that featuring the, Buckaroo Banzai. What's, yeah, what's, the, <laughs> what's the what's the bad guy team called? Is there a bad guy team? It's called the Injustice League, I think. Right? Oh no, it's the uh, yeah, it's the Injustice League, and they're at the uh, the what's the name of their 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 at the place White House? Am I right, guys? Swamp. <laughs> what? Nothing. Just go on. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm wondering, like, are they? Who else is going to be in this team? Because like. The DC universe is not full of cool, great villains. They're going to have to introduce a bunch of them. And if one of them is Solomon Grundy, everything is forgiven, DC universe. <laughs> well, uh, a friend of mine oh, no, wait. sent me a He's message a to show, confirm additional uh, cold-based DC villains. So the team would, of course, have <coughs> Mr. Freeze, Captain Cold, Killer Frost, who is a character, Icicle okay, I and Icicle Jr. right, I was wrong. <laughs> So yeah, that's five. There'd yeah. be five cold base villains in the team. They're called the Frosty League or the Just <laughs> Ice Le- League in this case. And they're like, Lex, I don't want to tell you how to run your league, but maybe you want to diversify. Good, then don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, why don't you diversify? Uh, we've got diversity. I'm a super smart billionaire. You're a super assassin. Cold, 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 <laughs> cold, cold. We've got it all, baby. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess you're the genius. Uh, why did we do this uh, mission in the summertime, though? I mean, it... 
Yes. <laughs> you're hoping seems... that people aren't dressed appropriately to deal with all this cold. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anyway, I'm Lex Luthor. Don't look. Don't question me. I was able to escape from jail using an intricate plan. You just put a different bald guy in your cell. An intricate plan. <laughs> Uh, so guys, let's go on to final judgments. Though, let's uh, while Elliot blows his nose, um, we'll say Sorry, I'm also getting over a cold. Yeah, Elliot is. Elliot seems to have it worse than me. Mm, uh, right the Just Ice League strikes again. <laughs> ah, Just Ice League. Uh, but uh, is this a good good bad movie? A bad bad movie? <laughs> is this a good? Is that what you're <laughs> is this a good? Guys, is this a good? Is this a good bad movie? A bad bad movie or a movie you kind of like? Uh, I'm going to say that while it is the least hateful of the DC movies that I've seen. Uh, not including Wonder Woman. Oh, not including Wonder Woman. That's right. Wonder Woman is the, obviously the best, but uh, it I don't even think of it as part of the universe. <laughs> That's how different it is. Uh, it's still not good. I, Wonder, I, I, Woman is the, Wonder Woman is the Incredible Hulk of the DC universe, except reverse where everyone forgets that there was a Hulk movie that's yeah. technically part of the Marvel Universe. Everyone forgets Wonder Woman is in the DC Universe because it's of a higher stamp of quality. Yeah. Uh, I will say I had some small hopes for this movie because it's less than two hours long, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Joss Whedon came in to do reshoots. And I know that we've all learned that Joss Whedon's kind of an asshole now, but I do like his television work, and he did a good job with the Avengers, so I thought maybe he could do something to salvage this. But Yeah, could you imagine... No. Yeah, like the fa- having recently watched the Avengers and seeing how well that like that big coming together fight scene works at the end, it's crazy that yeah. Joss Whedon was involved in this movie as well. Unless Joss Whedon is sabotaging the DC movies, oh like wow, a fifth columnist, yeah, that to help the Marvel movies. That feels like something I would read on Reddit or <laughs> something. That seems like a suitable conspiracy. That's the kind of thing that, that some incel somewhere is, is theorizing about right now. Yeah. Uh, here's, here's what I'm going to say. My final judgment is mixed, and I'll tell you why. I don't think this movie is particularly good, but I'm trying to put myself in a world where the Marvel movies don't exist. Uh-huh. And in a movie, world where the Marvel movies don't exist, I think I would be more forgiving of this movie. Because I'd be like, you know what? This is far from the worst superhero movie I've ever seen. I don't like it. It's boring. It's really depressing. But it's still so far a cut above the superhero movies I grew up with. But in a world where the Marvel movies exist, this is – this just like doesn't work at all. Like we've seen such a better version of this exact thing. So – but I, I, on the other hand, I give them credit for forging their own path. They could just make Marvel movies and say superheroes are fun. Let's make a fun movie. Instead, they've decided to continue down their own path of making superhero movies that are not fun and feel like I'm supposed to watch them as, like, a religious obligation. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yep. that's something. I mean, you, you be you, DC Universe. Fly your freak flag. Yeah, you're supposed to watch the movie in complete silence and then shuffle out of the movie theater with a sad look on your face. Like, I was supp- like there were times when, during the opening where I'm like, am I supposed to be sad that Superman's dead? Because... This world does not have a Superman, and we have our own troubles, but, like, a lot of things are fine. 
Like, am I supposed? How how upset? A am lot I of things are fine, is Elliot's description <laughs> of the current state of the world. But but the implication in the movie is that without Superman, there's no light or happy. Like children don't laugh anymore. Love doesn't exist. Sex is no longer pleasurable. I mean, you know, I've, like that's, I've seen the previous movies, and even when Superman was alive, I don't think those existed. Yeah, but I don't know, Stuart. Did you give your rating? I I, I didn't. I you know I didn't like it. And uh, I mean, I guess. I liked it more than Batman versus Superman. I still think I like it less than Suicide Squad. I know that's yeah. insane. <laughs> uh, but that that movie's just so fascinatingly bad that I don't know. Like yeah, I, I get some joy out of the 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 strangeness of a movie that's at least apparently was cut together by the people who cut the trailer together. <laughs> Uh, I mean, if you're gonna hate watch a DC movie, watch Suicide Squad because this is like, this is like eating a rice cake for breakfast. If you like the Justice League movie, yeah, it's like I need some sort something to ingest. So I guess I'll use this, and I'll have no feelings about it afterwards. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. So, um, see you for the next one, no, Justice no, League no. 2, tons of movies. Oh, I thought you meant see you for the next uh, podcast. So I was like, sure, you gotta... <laughs> That's all. That's us for the Flophouse. <laughs> Kicking it back to you, everybody. Now, uh, local affiliates, we went a little long today, so uh, sorry about that. Uh, we'll make it up on the next time. Catch on the flip. Make sure to like and subscribe. Uh, okay. That's uh, so that's our video. Works. Yeah, click subscribe. Maybe share the links below. I'm pointing down as if anyone can see it. <laughs> Uh, Leave a comment. Hey, be part of the community. All right. The Dead Pilot Society podcast brings you hilarious comedy pilots that were never made, featuring actors like Aubrey Plaza, Andy Richter, Paul F. Tompkins, John Hodgman, Adam Scott, Molly Shannon, Busy Phillips, Tom Lennon, Anna Camp, Laurie Metcalf, Felicia Day, Michael Ian Black, Adam Savage, Paul Shear, Ben Schwartz, Skylar Aston, Mae Whitman, Josh Molina, Ben Feldman, Nicole Byer, Jason Ritter, Sarah Chalk, Steve Agee, Jane Levy, Allison Tolman, Danielle Nicolette, Casey Wilson, Anna Ortiz, Lorraine Newman, June Diane Raphael, Kieran Chipka, Ed Week, Zach Knight, and Carrie Kenny Silver, John Ross Bowie, Jamie Denbo, Janet Varney, and many more. Listen at MaximumFun.org, iTunes, or wherever you download podcasts. Hey, this is Griffin McElroy. Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. And we've got a new podcast on Maximum Fun called Wonderful. Wonderful. It's an enthusiast podcast where we talk about things that we're excited about and things that you're excited about. Things like overalls. 24-hour Sudafed. The grand prize game. The fact that wombats use their butts to kill predators. The soundtrack to the movie Dick Tracy. The beach potion we call Bud Light Line. All these things and more every Wednesday, and we'll also talk about things that you're excited about. You can find us on MaximumFun.org or iTunes or wherever. I don't know. Just search Wonderful. Google it. You'll probably get there. So the Flophouse is supported in part by Casper. And our listeners are invited to take advantage of Casper's competitive limited time Memorial Day sale offer. Hey, Dan. Hey, Dan. Here's a crazy thing. Let's explain what Casper is. (laughs) Uh... Well, okay, it's a mattress company, not a ghost. (laughs) It sells you mattresses that come in the mail in a big box that you can, uh, not as big a box as you would expect, though. Yeah, you uh, open up this box and this don't mattress tell me, like, Don't tell me what out. I expect. <laughs> yeah, don't tell me what kind of box I expect. You're saying this mattress, uh, it arrives and it's not, it, you're not taking a fully grown mattress into your house. No. But yet... It expands into that fully grown mattress. Yes, exactly. Like watching a child grow. Exactly. Casper uh, is different than other mattress companies because they sell directly to you, which eliminates added costs and saves you money. 
And you can uh, be sure of your purchase with uh, their 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. And you can return with no hassles if you're not satisfied. That return policy is amazing. I have tried to sleep on a variety of different items for 100 days and return them. <laughs> Well, I mean... I keep trying to take this pee back to the market, one of them and was, they do uh, not want it. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things you slept on was a dozen eggs, and so there was a reason oh, why they didn't accept those back. And I had the receipt, and they would accept them back. Um, look, for a limited time, visit casper.com slash savings and receive 10% off your order with any mattress purchase. Offer expires May 29th, 2018. Terms and conditions apply. Um, we also have a sponsorship from Squarespace. Squarespace? Yeah. Now, Dan, let's explain what they are, too, because otherwise I'm going to assume they're another mattress company. No, no, no. You can make websites with them. Uh, oh. It's a good way to turn your cool idea into a website everyone can enjoy and showcase your work. You can use it to announce an upcoming event or a special project. Or you can, uh, you know, you can use their e-commerce functionality to sell anything online. Now, uh, now, Dan, I was wondering. I have an idea for a website. Yeah. I was wondering if Squarespace could help me. Oh, cool! This uh, is uh, this is a new thing. You've never had an idea for a website before. I'm very excited about it because it's like I feel inspired to enter a realm I've never felt inspired about before, which is web design and, and web yeah, businesses. Web a digital businesses. realm of ones and zeros. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I want to hack into the mainframe mm -hmm. and enter the cyber world, yep. so I can surf, surf the data, uh, and become a uh, a a master programmer. Yep. Uh, you're now, you're ready to player one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, now, Dan, this movie inspired me to start a business called Motherbox.com. Okay. Uh, we've all been there. <laughs> you're going on a family trip, and your luggage is not big enough to fit your mom in. <laughs> How are you going to get your mom from one place to another? Well, that's where motherbox.com comes in. Motherbox uh, takes – you just have to measure your mom's height, width, weight, depth, all the basic dimensions. You already have them on file. Send them to us. We will handcraft a custom-made box for you to place your mother in somewhat comfortably – for the duration of the trip. Just tell us where you're going, how long the trip is, what she'll need in that box. We'll make it sure it's stopped with everything she might need. Is it an overnight plane flight? We'll get some snacks in there. Is it a long car ride? We'll get some snacks in there. Are you going on an ocean voyage? More snacks. Everything yeah, you need. Yeah, it feels like a, all our needs are snacks, right? Uh, pretty much. I mean, are there air holes like for that, your mother? It's like, of course there are. It's like that movie, Mars Need Moms Who Need Snacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the first one is snacks, yeah. and then eventually it goes all the way up to getting where you need to go without costing an arm and a leg to transport your mother. So leave the mom shipping to us, motherbox.com, mm -hmm. yeah. for all and of by, your transporting your mom from one place to another needs. We'll handle the mom shipping, so we'll take the various moms from Riverdale and we'll ship them with each other. Okay. <laughs> uh, interesting. Right, right. intricate sure fan fiction about what these moms would be doing. Okay. Oh, All our right. slogan for motherbox.com is we provide the box, you provide the mom. This show in a, this show started off with such respect for mothers and now it's taking a weird turn. Uh, what's more respectful than providing a comfortable, well stocked with snacks box we're yeah. shipping any mother from one place to another. So I want and to or possibly website. writing stories about your favorite moms from your favorite hit CW television show. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Finding so love in each other's arms. I mean, it makes sense. 
So, Dan, can Squarespace help me with my uh, mother transportation uh, website or Stuart with his Riverdale fan fiction <laughs> website? It certainly can. And uh, so to get started, check out squarespace.com slash flop for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code flop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. I believe uh, each of you has a Jumbotron. Oh, you uh, know it. Ellie, why don't you go first while I open my phone and find it? I'll... Okay. So. Okay. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Okay. So this good. Okay, everybody, is... buckle up. Okay, let's. Okay, you can go. <laughs> okay, am I? Yeah. Can I go or is it? Wait. Are you, are you Wait. still prepping yourself? Wait. Okay, you can go. I was just asking okay. so I could vamp if you weren't ready, but. <laughs> no, I'm ready right now. Okay, good. I have it right in front of me. Okay. What so were you gonna What this... were you gonna vamp about, Dan? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was just gonna open my mouth and see what came, comes out, which okay. is a terrible way. Whoa, to do it. whoa, a dangerous thing to do. <laughs> yeah. What if it was a What was if, if it was like a hive, uh, a swarm of scarabs, like in the mummy? <laughs> oh, that would have been terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Although it would have been It would have been pretty exciting about the future of computer graphics. <laughs> yep. Nope. Anyway, here's my jumbotron message. Uh, I'm here to tell you to subscribe to WikiWheel with Max and Shay on your favorite preferred podcast app. Now, hey, one couple's randomized ramble through Wikipedia. That's WikiWheel. Join us as we explore all of human knowledge via Wikipedia's random article feature. We've written EastEnders fan fiction, played Bang, Mary Kill with the world's great mountain ranges, and done a really bad job at the My Little Pony collectible card game. That's WikiWheel with Max and Shay. Subscribe on your preferred podcast app. Oh, that sounds really fun. Uh, it does. Guys, I'm going to take a brief pause on this podcast to talk about how I'm watching Archie drink out of Dan's toilet. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> Dan, that's Archie. where you go potty, and he's just drinking Archie. it. It's crazy. Why would he do that? Oh. oh okay. That cat has gone to the dog. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yep. And Archie, a new syndicated comic strip by Dan McCoy. <laughs> there isn't one called Archie Dan. yet, right? I mean, there's there is a comic called Archie. Uh, they made a TV show called Riverdale based on it. <laughs> That's what about. Riverdale's from. <laughs> Wait, it's like I, a superhero comic strip? Uh, not exactly, unless he becomes uh, what's his name, Proudheart. Isn't that uh, Archie's superhero character? What? Uh, Dan, if you were able to sell a syndicated daily comic strip about your own cat, would you die from happiness or would you die from sadness that you had no more worlds left to conquer? Uh, I think we both know what the answer to that would be, Elliot. Guys, we probably <laughs> talked about this, but if you were going to have to pitch a uh, a comic strip to a television channel to be like a hot teen reimagining of a comic strip, which one would you pick? Did we already talk about this? Did we already talk about how I would pitch I don't think Rose we did, is Rose? Rose is Rose? What? I would pitch Rose's Rose. Rose. I think we did. We did talk about your Rose's Rose pitch yeah. at some point. Oh, I think. Damn it! I don't okay. know if it was on the podcast, but we certainly have had that conversation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, okay. Uh, and, I, and I told. I, did I tell you about my Snuffy Smith uh, <laughs> idea? Oh, wow! So it's a, it's Too a teen, hot for it's a, TV. It's a gritty teen Snuffy Smith because it's time to bring back sexy young hillbillies. <laughs> Bring him back. Okay, so <laughs> I got never a, left. I got a jubbity jumbotron. This message is for the original Peaches. That is us. The message is from Andrew, last name withheld. Hey guys, I love the show. It makes me sad when there isn't a jumbotron because I want you to get paid. Also, I want to get my words on the show. My options are to write a letter 
or to make a Jumbotron. But I don't want to pander to Dan. Thus, there is only one real option. And this is how I effectively preempt the song. That's how it works. Whoa. Thank you very much, Andrew. Uh, thank you for supporting the show. It uh, means a lot. Uh, because we like money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and saying words. I mean, the, the the money paid for the Jumbotron really salves the wound of my being owned at the end there. He hacked, he literally hacked into the mainframe. That mm-hmm. was a life hack onto the show. <laughs> uh, Dan, uh, would you call pandering to you dandering? Because I'm allergic to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yes, thank you. I would. That's a lovely portmanteau. <laughs> Guys, we got a little Archie update. Archie uh, is now sleeping off having a mouthful of toilet water. He is not drinking anymore. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, just so tune back in for more Archie updates later in the show. <laughs> uh, thanks for those Jumbotrons. Everybody uh, sign up for Jumbotron if you've got a message to send to us. It doesn't have to be about us, but that's really nice. Dan, do we have some uh, things of our own to promote? Is that the time for this? Uh, sure. Are you uh, wanting to promote them? Or Sure. <laughs> we've, got, we've got some live shows coming up. Uh, when, you, when this airs... We'll, when this airs, when this gets released, we'll already be in Washington, D.C., right? For a right. Washington, D.C. show? Yeah. Uh, so if you're listening to this, I guess Saturday morning, we're doing a live show in Washington, D.C. tonight uh, on May, was it 26th? Uh, I believe that's correct. Yeah, on May 26th uh, in Washington, D.C. at the historic Sixth and I Synagogue. That's right. It's going to be a night of Kabbalistic wisdom and Talmudic debate. All yeah. around the subject of Geostorm. <laughs> I'm into that. Uh, we've got a show in Brooklyn on June 7th. I believe that's sold, sold out. out. Uh, so if you want to hang out outside and just shout our names at us, uh, we probably won't hear you. But <laughs> thanks to everyone who already bought tickets. And yeah. then we've got, and then after, at the end of that month, at the end of June, we've got a show in Seattle, Washington. That's right, the Big Easy. And I've never been there before. And I'm very excited to see Seattle because I want to take that Frasier reality tour that the real Frasier Crane does, where he tells you about the locations that inspired the hit show, Frasier. Do I know anything else about Seattle other than Frasier? I do not. Uh, and Dan, do you remember what day that is in June? That is June 30th. Yep. June 30th. And tickets are still available for that one. And at, uh, if you go to... Yes? And... And at all our live shows, we're going to have uh, special limited tour T-shirts yeah. and tour posters. Prices TBD. Bring cash because we cannot accept credit cards. Yeah, we we just we can't accept that there's a system in place where you use a piece of plastic to exchange for. Yeah, we, yeah that's right. We can't mentally accept the existence of credit uh, cards. I, or you know what? We might. I might look up into setting a Venmo account up. Okay, all right. but. Please bring cash if you can. That would be the easiest thing. We're going to have exclusive tour T-shirts and posters. And as anyone who's been to a live show knows that we do uh, presentations before the episode that gets recorded where we talk about other stuff, PowerPoint-wise. Yeah, I, presentations I just finished mine, get... and it's really dumb. <laughs> uh, and I know I've set myself the challenge of doing a new presentation for every one of these shows that I will never do again that is tailored to that specific show. So if you want to see this exclusive Elliot Kalin humor content, come to these shows. Otherwise, you'll never see them because I'm going to burn the scripts and burn the PowerPoint slides by throwing my computer into a fireplace. Okay. Well, moving on, though, to letters from listeners. Listeners like you. 
Are you listening right now? Could be your letter if you sent one in. <laughs> if you didn't send one in, the odds are not good. <laughs> yeah. That so, it's your letter. <laughs> this first letter is from Charlie, last name withheld. Daniels. Uh, sure. Who writes? Hey, now, Peaches. Dan. Before you get into, wait, before you get into that letter, I just want to say I would sing a song here, but I am both recovering from a cold and also heading out to Disneyland later today. So I've got a lot of energy. I've got to save up for this trip so I can yeah. fight the germs and also fight the crowds to get on some of the hottest rides in Southern California. <laughs> okay. Weird, weird little plug there, but... <laughs> Disneyland. Have you heard of it? <laughs> uh, Dan, did I forget to mention that Disney bought the Flophouse? Oh, okay. In, yeah, we're going to be in a... Avengers Infinity War 2, Avengers versus the Blobhouse. I mean, finally this thing is going to be, uh, you know, as profitable as we hoped. I, I think I would really get along with those Guardians of the Galaxy characters. Yeah. They're really silly, and I think we'd really, you know, it'd be really fun. People would like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I can see Stu in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah Stu Lord. Yeah, it's Stu Lord. Uh, anyway, Charlie says, Hey, Peaches, you guys are obviously experts re- or Ray. Good, bad movies. <laughs> I'd like to see you correcting your own pronunciation, Dan. Uh, that is the Flophouse's wheelhouse, after all. But your episode on The Greatest Showman got me wondering about bad, good movies. That is, movies which, in their earnest striving to be recognized as good, actually turn out pretty bad. Mileage may vary, but I'm thinking of The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, which mm-hmm. I recently saw on a plane for the first time and simply could not fucking believe. Hugely disappointing as the follow-up to Zodiac. In your estimation, <laughs> they're related. The what? Benjamin well, I mean, Button was David the Zodiac Benjamin killer. Yeah, yeah, because because they cut out a scene where Benjamin Button is the Zodiac killer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's part of the David Fincher cinematic universe. Yes. In your estimation, what are the worst bad good movies? Uh, now, of course, in our in our uh, ranking system, uh-huh. these movies still would just be bad, bad. But movies that Strive so far for goodness that they become bad. Okay, so Dan's clarifying that one for the pedants out there. Yeah, exactly. Um, Well, Benjamin Button, man, that is a good one, because that is a terrible movie. I hated it in the theater. I didn't understand why people liked it. I hate it. Um, (laughs) I hate hate it so much. I hate it. Uh, I would say the... A movie that that I kind of think of is... Did you ever see... That comedy, uh, 50-50, where uh, Joseph oh, yeah. Gordon-Levitt is playing. With Seth Rogen? Yeah, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt's, it's uh, the true story of one of the screenwriters' like battles with cancer. Okay. And, like, it's a it's a true story, and it's moving. I just found the movie completely bland and boring. Hmm. And it's something that, like, I like the actors in it, and I wanted to like it. I just couldn't. Interesting. I like that one a little bit. I, I can have... understand that. I actually have it on my DVR right now, so now I'm... Oh, no, I ruined it Uh-oh. for you. Maybe yeah. you'll watch it and love it, and then you'll text me late at, like, 1 in the morning saying I was totally wrong. No, I'll probably text you being, like, right on 50-50. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys, I've got uh, four words. I mean, there are a lot of movies that fall into this category, a lot of, like, Stanley Kramer films. Mm-hmm. Like, Inherit the Wind has always stuck out that way for me. Or, you know, Guess Who's Coming to Get Dinner, where it's like, this movie's so goddamn important. Everything about it's important. Uh, but here's, I got four words for you that sum this up for me. The Cider House Rules. Wow. That's okay. starting Not a Dan's fan. favorite Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And that where it's like, I remember watching that movie, and this movie is 
so striving to be beautiful and important and meaningful. And I was like, I don't understand what this movie is trying to communicate to me at at, at all. Like, I don't, I don't find it. I like, I don't find it interesting. I don't know why the characters are doing these things. I don't know. I don't, I'm getting nothing from it. You know, I mean, you see what Charlize Theron's butt at one point, (laughs) which seemed to be the filmmakers, that seemed to be the filmmakers being like, all right, I'll throw you a bone. The things about that, you know, that for the pure prurient interests in the crowd, but this is an important piece of filmmaking. And I was just like, don't care for this movie. It is taking itself too seriously, and I don't like it. Elliot, would you say that the cider house drools? <laughs> uh, it's a harsh, a harsh way to go. But I, if I was being honest, yes, I would say the cider house drools. Okay, that's very brave of you. Um, Dan, are you going to say the imitation game? No, although that's a good one. Uh, I was going to go. Oh, with that is a good one. One Dan, of our- but Dan, wait, Dan, were you aware that now we call them computers? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe it makes more sense to you now. No, okay. It's all coming together. And Benedict Cumberbatch was dead the whole time. What? I mean, that his character dies that very early twist. on in the film. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, no, uh, I was going to go with a, a Flophouse movie, and that movie is Labor Day, which I feel oh, okay. is like so freighted with the weight of like wanting to be... Freight weight. This, uh, <laughs> you know, like... Serious doomed romance, and uh, it's just absurd. Like, I yeah. still think of the pie making scene. Yeah, with great amusement. Every time you jack it, you think. Yeah, yeah every time I jack it, I do a pie. <laughs> you know, Dan, there's a movie about that. Uh, yeah, I know. It's called Trouble with the Curve. <laughs> <laughs> Trouble with the Curve is the definition of a mediocre movie. Where I remember it's the kind of movie, This my experience watching it was, I was on a vacation, my wife was very tired, she took a nap, and I watched it in the hotel room while she slept, and I was like, yeah, this is exactly the movie I should be watching right now. It's Trouble with the Curve. It's a movie to watch in a hotel room while your partner sleeps. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect stuff. Uh, <laughs> this next one. <laughs> this is... Uh... From Kira, last name shared with a fast food restaurant. So, uh, Burger King. <laughs> Kira Burger King. Churches. Dear, dear Peaches. <laughs> White Castle. <laughs> I started listening raisin, to raisin, fast food restaurant? Raisin Cane's uh, Chicken Jack in the Bus. <laughs> uh, I started listening to your podcast several months ago and was working my way sporadically through your blessedly extensive back catalog. When I finally got around to breaking off a relationship, I knew I needed it to end. Imagine my surprise when, while listening to an older episode... Sorry about the old ones. Uh, I believe the one <laughs> on the, the boy. It was not that old. Uh, I suddenly heard Elliot say, Ladies, don't date a guy named my ex's name. Although the warning came just a little too late to prevent me from going down a doomed romantic route. It gives, sorry, did, it didn't come in earlier. It did give me a strange amount of comfort to hear my decision to break it off supported retroactively. Any other advice to spare for a single girl in her earlier 20s with and when I decide to show my, uh, throw myself back into the dating game? Maybe a complete list of guy names I should strike from the list of potential suitors altogether? I'll also accept cliches, folksy aphorisms, and older brother type advice. Thanks so much. Kira, last name. Guys, I have a ton of advice. All right. Okay, first okay, one. Okay, let's hear it. First one, avoid Dan McCoy's. Yeah. Uh, to, <laughs> I mean, my first one. <laughs> uh, number two, get a job at a magazine or a newspaper. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, Elliot. Wait, hold on. Wait, why? Why the second one? Well, because then you'll like then you'll start up like a camaraderie with your coworkers, yeah. and there will be some sexual tension, like a will they, won't they thing, and then eventually you'll fall in love and get married. It'll be great. Yeah, or okay. you know, like get like another, a couple of seasons in, get another, <laughs> <laughs> or you know, like choose another career that people have a vague idea of what it entails, but not enough that you actually like can object to anything, like architect. Oh. Yeah, yeah, like running an art gallery. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Or making, drawing the Caroline the City comics. Mm-hmm. Look, I think it seems like uh, dating now is so different from, it feels from when it was when I was <coughs> dating. I, I stopped dating 15 years ago. I hope when I so. I met the woman who, who became my wife. I still dabble in it. No, that's but uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah. But there's some things that are eternal verities, and I guess it's like... Uh, you know, be uh, be aware of what you want from a relationship. Try to find people who want something similar from that. Don't and try not to confuse somebody. If you're looking for a long term relationship, try not to confuse somebody who is like cool with the person you actually will be happy with, or you know, have a good relationship with. I think that's something that I know a lot of guys make the mistake of. I don't know about girls. Stuart has just put on sunglasses to <laughs> emphasize the point that he's a cool dude in a long-term, very healthy relationship. So I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But uh, a lot of a lot of knowing what to do in dating comes from knowing yourself. Self-knowledge is the source of all things. And so I don't know. Just don't uh, don't don't be someone else. Be yourself. Yeah. Dan, yeah. do you have advice? Guys, if I had advice, I would be in my situation. <laughs> I just put this letter in here so I could listen to your advice. Oh, okay. It was a trick. I don't know. Oh, tricked us. Dan's already on you... Craigslist applying to jobs in a magazine. Yeah. Because <laughs> you, you know that we hate giving advice. That's yeah. one thing we never want to do. I guess uh, on the name thing, don't date a Chad or a Chet. Okay. That's about as far what if, as what I what if it was? What if it was jazz musician Chet Baker? Oh. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's probably not a good guy, right? What I mean, about like all those jazz musicians? Problem, I mean, jazz musicians tend not to be good guys. What if it was Hanging Chad from the 2000 election? Oh, no, that's terrible. <laughs> Helped ruin the country for a long time. That's what, fair. That's what, about, what, about, what about Chaz Palminteri? That's a Chaz. That's totally Okay, so it's, he's, he's fair game. <laughs> yeah, Chaz is great. That's a great name. <laughs> Sounds like cheese. Date a guy named Cheese. <laughs> uh, I would say, I would say uh, dear listener... Uh, don't confuse the person you are hoping someone will be to the person that they are. And, uh, you know, you want to go into things with, with open eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and could... oh, and I had one more thing. I had one more thing. I had one more thing. Yeah. And don't confuse, don't confuse being in a relationship with being a worthwhile person. You yeah. have worth and you have importance to you and you have meaning without having to reflect that off of another human being. So if you're starting to, if you ever find yourself making the mistake of saying, Oh, who am I? I'm not even, you know, dating someone like, don't do that. That's not the way you should think. Certainly don't confuse it with happiness because happiness is something that comes from within. And happiness is really only two things, a warm gun or a warm puppy. Yeah. Uh huh. It's gotta be warm. And a fun movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I would say never forget that clear eyes, Full hearts can't lose. Thanks, guys. Good night. (laughs) So I've got uh, two more letters, but they're real quick. Uh, The first one is from Mike, last name withheld, who writes... Mike and the Mad Dog, yeah. 
As a recent first-time father, I've come to learn that you're supposed to talk and sing to your child often. For me, as a sleep-deprived 30-something, this means singing the letter song to my daughter. Not any specific letter song per se, but the kind of stream-of-consciousness word soup that rarely ends where it started. My question, Elliot, what is Sammy's favorite letter song? Was the podcast just your practice for fatherhood? I mean, in that I'm dealing with Dan and Stu, yes, very much so. Uh-huh. It's a practice for fatherhood. Uh, just kidding, guys. Uh, this is a serious answer to that question, though. The letter song Sammy likes the most and always has liked is That's the Way It Works, or That's How It Works. Uh, he memorized the words to that, and for a long time he would go, Daddy, sing Speaking of Birthdays. And he liked the part where... Dan says, uh, speaking of birthdays, and I go, speaking of birthdays, what we're talking about. So uh, that's the one he likes the most. The problem with doing those stream of conscious songs is that when they get a little older, they go, sing that song again, the one from yesterday. And you're like, uh, I don't remember it. I don't know what it was. But You're uh, like, we owe... There is no yesterday. We only move forward, Sammy. Looking back, <laughs> looking back is toxic nostalgia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I say. Okay. It's the death of creativity. Well, that was a lovely insight into your relationship with your child. Mm-hmm. It's great. I love him. He's a good kid. Uh, Whoa, this just in. Elliot loves his child. <laughs> <laughs> News alert. Stop the presses. Now start him again. It actually wasn't worth stopping for. Uh, last letter, very quickly. To flop it may concern. It is with great sorrow that I must inform you that the flop house house cat, TM, has been declared missing, presumed dead. Having not been heard of since April 19th, 2014, episode 150, this authority can only assume that he has perished, most likely doing something radical like hang gliding or skateboarding down a dead man's curve while chomping on a slice of za. Mr. Stuart <laughs> Wellington has been named next of kin, although no one has actually seen him and the house cat in the same room together. Our floppiest condolences, officer, last name withheld, generic police department, 555 Ordinary Avenue, generic city, USA, 12345. So. Uh, that's really sad, but my real question is, Dan, did you say grape at the beginning of that? Did I say grape at the beginning of that? I think you said grape at the beginning of that. Uh, well, that's... Uh, <laughs> Wait, what word could I possibly... <laughs> I'm looking at the the letter, and I, nothing there looks like grape at all. You know... Oh, it is with great sorrow, okay. Yeah. Grape sorrow. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, that was a uh, good uh, good attempt to change the subject of the conversation there, uh, Mr. Wellington. But <laughs> it will be, if it doesn't bother you, I'd like to ask you a few questions about the uh, sure, Officer reported Columbus mysterious alone. missingness of uh, one cat, comma, house. Uh, the uh-huh. mis- Mr. Cat, the uh, cat in question, uh, was last seen several years ago uh, in your company. Uh, where were you that night of uh, April 19th, 2014, if you don't mind my asking? Uh, let's see. I was at a Chuck E. Cheese pizza parlor. Okay, makes sense. I was, Checks out, I makes was sense. working my shift <laughs> in the mouse costume. <laughs> All right, okay. And, and I'm sure we can't, we can't find any witnesses to back it up, because how would they know it's you? You're in a mouse costume. Unless, makes sense. Unless makes they, sense. Can, they know the smell of my caked on sweat that I exude into that costume every day. This is information I don't necessarily need for, for my case. <laughs> you just but, uh, have to understand that I I just run hot, guys. I'm I run hot a bit. So mm-hmm. like, and you know, I I take a lot of hydration. You know, I take a lot of it. I take a lot of water, so uh-huh. it all comes out of my body. That's okay. how it happens. That's how it works. Uh, now, uh, I've heard uh, th- what you're saying to me is that you're hot blooded, and uh, as is my job as a police officer, <laughs> I'd like to check it and see. Uh huh. 
Uh, oh, dear God, you've got a fever of 103. We've got to get you to the hospital. The thing is, Elliot, or Officer Elliot, or whatever you're not talking to, I need to find out if you do more than dance. That's what he says in the fucking song. It's wild. Uh, uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, just one more question. Uh, did you kill the house cat? You know, guys, I didn't really kill the house cat. Let's get real. I'm going to turn my chair backwards. Um... <laughs> I just haven't seen him in a while, you know? Yeah. I mean, he went up to, <laughs> That's the extent of me leveling with you. I mean, he was very much the breakout star of the podcast, and he did have a TV show on the CW for a little bit of time, so uh-huh. he's probably just biding his time until he makes it into probably features. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you could sneak some kind of Poochie meme in here somewhere where you insert the house cat in place of Poochie, but no, the house cat's very much alive and well. He just hasn't come out in a while. Okay. Yeah, and there, and uh, I'm just gonna say, if anyone wants to make a podcast where they essentially stalk the house cat because they're worried <laughs> he's in trouble, just don't. Okay, the guy's entitled to some privacy. He was the face of American fitness for decades. I we mean, don't need you hanging around outside his house, insinuating that he's getting a sex change or is being kept a prisoner. He's he's entitled to some privacy. He's an elderly fitness magnate. We don't need you stalking him in podcast form. Yeah, there's a certain lack of uh, journalism ethics or responsibility in that situation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, good, <laughs> you know, good uh, reprimanding. Uh, so it's time for our last segment of the podcast, which is recommendations of movies that you should watch instead of uh, instead of this one. You already, already forgot what we watched, huh? I did. <laughs> the Justice League. Okay. Um, I'm going to make mine really quick because it's already been recommended on the podcast, but it just so happens to be the only movie I've seen recently that I really liked. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to back up. Hard Bodies. Yeah. (laughs) That was on, I sent Elliot a screenshot of the Sony Movie Channel lineup last night, and it had Hard Bodies followed by Hard Bodies 2, followed by Hard Bodies again, followed by Hard Bodies 2 again. Dan has discovered this TV channel that I think this is like a Daniel Pinkwater lizard music type scenario where it's just beamed into Dan's house. It's this whole channel that's just 80s TNA and horror movies and monster yeah. movies. I, it's like, I don't know what's going It's like, I worry that it is part of some demon's plot to ensnare Dan's soul after a certain amount of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not the movie I'm recommending. I'm recommending... I mean, obviously, if you're going to wear, watch a stupid sex comedy from the 80s, you should watch, <laughs> you should watch Joysticks, which is... <laughs> yeah, you should watch Joysticks. Delightfully the idiotic. film, King Vidian. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, no, I'm recommending... <laughs> although, I mean, Joysticks is a fine recommendation. But I'm, <laughs> I'm rec- I, love, I like. I can see the angel and the devil on Dan's shoulders, and the devil's like, just go ahead and recommend Joysticks. And the angel's like, had a better you. movie to recommend. Just do it. It's a safe space. No, it's not. It's not a safe <laughs> space at all. Uh, I'm recommending Bone, Bone Tomahawk, which we've talked about in this movie, on uh, oh, this okay. podcast before. Yeah. And uh, I just want to... The one thought I had, which is I, I texted Ellie and Stu, is with, between this and The Descent, it seems like movies with troglodytes in them, like, all of them are super tense even before the monsters show up. Because yeah, like in the movie Trog, you're like, why is she doing this? Why does, why does she have to be in this movie? Right. She's one of the great screen legends. Why is she in this film? But, um, I mean, there's part of the movie Bone Tomahawk is a guy in the Old West where they did not have good medical care having to ride out and then walk on a uh, broken leg that is splinted. And uh, I found that 
probably more distressing than any part of the movie that came at the end. Than any part? Well, there is a very famous scene in Bone Tomahawk that is quite grotesque, but we won't get into that. We won't spoil that. Let's just say it involves a Bone Tomahawk. It does. Yeah, I mean, I think... I recommended it in the past, or Elliot recommended it, and I think it's got some really great stuff. Richard Jenkins gives an amazing performance. Uh, and there, it, yeah. 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 It, yeah. It potentially yeah. has troubling politics, but. Yeah, no, the movie takes great pains to try and divorce the monsters from Native Americans. Uh, I'm not quite sure it totally works. Uh, so. That's uh, a troubling element of the film, uh, but otherwise it's quite a fine uh, piece of exploitation filmmaking. I'm going to recommend a big action movie. Uh, this is I'm going to recommend a, an action movie that I kind of consider to be foundational for action movies in general. Um, I'm sure we've talked about it on the show, but I don't think I've ever recommended it. I'm going to recommend uh, the movie from 1992 called Hard Boiled. It's mm. uh, it's hard my body. F- it's hard bodies. <laughs> my, I said it wrong. Uh, it's John Woo's hard body would be a very different movie. Uh, Just like would... glistening abs with doves flying off of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, but Chow Fat's great in hard bodies. Uh, so uh, Chow Fat, who is I know I'm pronouncing it wrong, uh, but I'm saying it the more fun way for me. Um, he uh, he stars in it. He's been in a bunch of John Woo's movies. Um, this is like the kind of the for me the perfect like bullet ballet Hong Kong action movie. Um, you got a good cop and a bad cop, and you got Chow Yun Fat playing a, a cop named Tequila, which is awesome. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of shooting, and this movie, similar to Justice League, there's a lot at stake. You know, there's a scene, uh, just like how Justice Justice League, the fate of the world's at stake. Hard Boil actually takes that and makes you feel it by having a scene where a, in this hospital, there's a room full of babies that are going to get set on fire and our hero has to get all those babies out and his pants (laughs) catch on fire and the baby pees on, pees on the fire and he calls the baby a little piss pot or something, and it's awesome. So watch Hard Boil. <laughs> there's, there's something about the, the Hong Kong action movies where it's like the most intense action, the most over-the-top emotion, and then the dumbest like kind of gags that it's a beautiful stew. Yep, a beautiful stew starring me. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I had to – I'm working on a presentation right now for one of our live shows, and I had to watch a little bit of Rumble in the Bronx to set for it. And I I hadn't watched that in years, and I was like, I forgot how goofy this movie is. Like it's so goofy. But that's – it's a Jackie Chan movie. Yeah. It was really great, though. It was a really great way for me to prepare to move to New York City. (laughs) (laughs) Well, better bone up on what this place is like. Jackie, show me the way. (laughs) Uh, I'll recommend my movie real quick since we're probably (laughs) running long. It better be Rumble in the Bronx. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So my movie is going to be – so look, guys. We're living at a time when it seems like Washington is in crisis. Politics is really is full of kind of slimy types, and we all yearn back for the better times before then, right? Before now, when it was when things were better and people were honest. I'm here to tell you it was never that way, and I want to recommend a movie that kind of points that up. So this is the movie Advise and Consent from mm. 1962. It's an Otto Preminger movie. 
about the president has nominated Henry Fonda for Secretary of State. Not the actor Henry Fonda, but a character Henry Fonda is playing. And Henry Fonda has some has a leftist connection in his past. Uh, was was a possibly a red at some point. And this is about the Senate, all and all the different senators and the president, everybody maneuvering to try to either get this appointment forward or stop it. And in doing so, one senator who has a secret in his past that now, uh, especially looking at it from this vantage point, is we you know is something that we look at differently now than they would have then. Uh, becomes the crux of the whole thing and just giving the spoilering a little bit about it it's i think might be the first hollywood movie to have a scene set in a gay bar certainly the first the first hollywood movie in this you know in the second half of the century to have a scene set in a gay bar and it's very interesting to watch how this movie shows kind of like uh scandal around a character having a gay past without the movie necessarily looking down on it in a bad way or judging it but it's a, it's the movie has got a star-studded cast. You got Henry Fonda, Charles Lawton's in it, Burgess Meredith's in it. Uh, Betty White makes her film debut in a small part in it. There's a, a Franchot Tone is in it. Gene Tierney's in it. Peter Lawford's in it. Walter Pidgeon, all your favorite actors. And uh, it's one of these movies that occasionally the characters speechify a little bit too much and get a little too long. But it's like just feels like you're you're like okay this is reassuring to me that Washington was kind of always filled with the worst people playing tricks on each other and and kind of doing things for personal gain rather than what's good for anybody else i found that i think at the time it was meant to be kind of like a poison letter to washington about what a corrupt place it is but looking at it now it's like this is very comforting to me <laughs> that uh, it's kind of always been that way so advise and consent yeah, that's a good one. Three movies. Those Four are... if you count hard bodies. <laughs> Five if you count joysticks. Um, uh, which is less offensive than hard bodies. I don't necessarily recommend hard bodies. <laughs> uh, okay, but... you got to keep one foot on the beach, I guess, Dan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, guys, uh, I guess that's it. We've had Sun a good time. Sunsets on another flop house. Mm-hmm. But uh, for now... I've been Dan, Dan wait, wait, hold on. Hey, Dan, before we go, yeah. before we go, what did, what did you learn today? Um, Jesus, Elliot, why did you do this to me? <laughs> this, is the only way, this is the only way you can pay the, pay the boatman. Uh, I learned that Elliot and I have different feelings on The Flash, and that's all right. We're different people. Okay, what did you that's, learn today, Elliot? I think what I learned was that there's a lot more going on in the TV show Riverdale and the moms therein than I <laughs> ever realized. And I Stuart, mean, what did you learn? And I learned that Elliot hasn't been paying attention to my fan fiction before now. <laughs> uh, I told you I read it, though. <laughs> All right. Well, now for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalen saying to you out there, thanks for listening. Good night. Bye. That's true. Next weekend, woo, DC. <laughs> Are we gonna kiss? <laughs> yeah, you know it. Um, all right. I'm gonna be in a foreign city all by myself. Who knows what could happen? Perhaps mm-hmm. it's time to make this sexual tension into just sexual. Yep. One night in DC makes the tough men sexy. <laughs> <laughs> The implication there is that tough men are not sexy, which I find very funny. <laughs> it's something that Terry Crews wrote an entire book about. 
<laughs> the his book cruise control. <laughs> yeah. Did not sell well. People mistook it for speed too. So yeah, mm-hmm. nobody wants that. It's why people don't buy, why people don't buy shoes from Shoes for Cruise because they think they're only for Terry Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, those shoes won't fit me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't want to take the limited resource of shoes that are exclusively (laughs) for Terry Crews. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.